Welcome to episodio número 29 of Otra Por Favor. How are you guys today? Doing great, man. Good, good. Happy to be here. I know, man. It feels like like weird because Chaparro is not here. I know. It's like a part of my soul is missing right yeah, now. Yeah, like part of something little, is missing. The little pinky in my, in my foot is missing right now. <laughs> is it because of the size of the, like, his size or <laughs> No, what? because he has that special touch, you oh, know, the that. tres dedos. Well, you seen his toe? Es oh, con ese que, el que tiene el, that's, ahí el, that's el, a magical secret, el man. Callo. Not everyone can know about that, but that's where he gets but all yeah, his hot so sauce from. I know, dude. <laughs> and I always give him crap, and, but that's that's how he get us, you know? Yeah. Well, but, we're missing out on Chaparro, but we have a very, very special guest with us today, uh, Pepe Rangel. Welcome. Welcome to the Otra Por Favor podcast, episode 29. It's an honor to have you here, sir. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure being here, and I'm a little sad that I didn't get to meet the their host yeah, okay. you'll you have, you have another chance to meet le llamo si quieren a ver si contesta el vato we might have to facetime him yeah. real quick <laughs> hey come on way but yeah um, man just to give a little interview on Pepe a uh, little introduction to Pepe he's a program coordinator for uh, Verde Leaders he's going to talk to us today about his his uh, a little bit about his background his upbringing his soccer life in, in the world of soccer and uh, kind of his transitioning into that community organization known as Verde Leaders with uh, 4ATX Foundation. So we're happy to have you here, man. First and foremost, like, how are you doing? What's good? Yeah, no, no, no. Again, thank you so much for having me and uh, doing well, you know, uh, getting ready for the holidays. I know there's going to be a lot of trying to hit the gym, trying to run a little bit right now before so getting that extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to I wanna feel a little bit better about myself come the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah. What about you guys? Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a you know, work, working to get that reward that is going to make you feel like crap, you know, like yeah. we're going to stuff our faces. We're going to drink so much, have a good time with the family, but, um, important times, man, important times. I feel like this is a time of year where there's so many things happening yeah. and you want to do so much, but Honestly. really there's only so many days left. And we only have about three, like about seven weeks left in the calendar, right? So November, November late November <laughs> already, man. Sheesh. Yeah, man. Sheesh, but, man. Uh, yeah. So Pepe, it's the first time meeting you. You know, it's an honor to meet you. I've, I've, I really didn't know you, but Coca had talked about you and what you guys do with ATX Foundation. Am I correct? Yes, sir. And um, it was pretty cool because actually, Coca bringing that up, it was kind of like open up the opportunity for him to be, you know, the third mic on the podcast. And from the from the beginning, he started, you know, coming up with ideas of, you know, for the conversation for today. He's been preparing it for a good while. Yeah, yeah. So, man, hopefully, you know you know, like you enjoy this time and I'm pretty sure the, you know, the listeners are going to enjoy hearing about the organization, hearing about you, especially, I mean, yeah. how everything came about and man, it's, it's an honor to, you know, for having you here. And also the fact that you also connect with people that we've had in the past, that also brings a little bit more of a, uh, uh, I would say like a closeness because you've been, you've been with Michelle in a podcast before yeah, and you're friends with Sony, Sony, Shout out. <laughs> yeah, man. So, dale, coque. A ver, what, what you got? <laughs> really, we just wanted to get into the life of Pepe Rangel. Let's, the floor is yours, man. Give, give us a little bit about your background, uh, kind of what got you here, early life, whatever you want to get into, man. Yeah. Um, well, man, where do I start? Uh, originally from California. So, grew up in Northern California, a uh, small town called Chico. It's like an hour outside of Sacramento. Um Grew up, you know, in a Mexican household with two older sisters, my family and my grandma and uncles and aunts. And so um, at a very young age, you know, just very family oriented. Um, 
and always watching sports on, you know, on at night after school and also on weekends. And so um, I think that's where, you know, my love for soccer and just in sports in general, like just started. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, soccer has just been always part of my life. And so been super lucky to just be able to still to this day work uh, with soccer. Um, I think as, you know, think all of us, like at one point we all wanted to play professional soccer um, and those dreams quickly, you know, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and so after that, you know, you just think about other ways that you can stay in the game and just be involved. And so lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to continue to work with, uh, with kids that one time, you know, like I could see myself in their shoes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so being able to, you know, go to work and just appreciate, um, and see these kids just smile and just because they play soccer. And so, um, yeah, so that's where, how I got them, I guess I'm moving forward too quickly, but, uh, I moved to Austin when I was 14. And so big transition from California. Um, you know, I used to ride my bike to school, um, beautiful weather and just like, just very different. Um, and so I was able, when I moved here, it was like, I, so I, you know, went to school in Del Valley high school, which is right near Austin airport. Um, you know, everything's 30 minutes away. And so it was very difficult, a little bit of a hard transition, but again, luckily enough, um, cause of soccer, I was able to make friends pretty quickly and just be able to adapt to the community here and just be able to, uh, you know, now I feel like Austin's it's home to me, even though went away for, for school for a few years, but been in Austin since 2016. And so, um, love my time here. And, you know, now that we have Austin FC, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, um, just super happy to be in, in this city and be able to talk to people like you guys and just be able to talk about the community, um, and talk about soccer as well. Right on. Dude, that's like soccer. I think that's a never-ending topic, you know. I know. Like, yeah. like especially since we, I mean, we didn't play professionally, but we grew up playing it and then watching it. Like, there's just that special feeling because I feel sometimes with players, we can understand whenever they're not doing well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's like sometimes you're like, oh, man, like, it's it's difficult because I've been, you know, whether you're getting criticized or you're criticizing, you're like, man, like, you know, are we being too tough? But it's also like, you know, this is I feel like there has to be that, that expectation from the fans. Right. And from from the people to be like, OK, like this matters. That just shows that it matters to us. Right. If we're, you know, tranquilos and everything <laughs> like, OK, like I think it just yeah. doesn't that the culture isn't isn't. Well, I feel like Austin is, is bringing now. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it. The passion for soccer comes from a place of love, and sometimes love yeah. isn't always roses. Sometimes it's tough. Yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of interesting to hear you say that um, your transition from California to Texas, you were able to make friends and uh, build that community through football, and that's one of the beautiful things that that soccer has given Richie, Richie and I, and I think many of our listeners. It's given us that community uh, and those friends, those lifelong friends and mentors that have continued to help us through difficult moments and and they're there for us during you know moments that, that are that are great for us accomplishments but at the end of the day they're all they're, they're your family they're your family away from your family so it's cool to hear you uh describe some of those um early early friendships um talk to us a little bit about uh, some of your some of the mentors in your life that have uh kind of given you um support 
and giving you certain values that you've learned from? Yeah, I think to start with uh, my dad, right? Uh, like I mentioned, so my parents were both bo uh, born in Michoacan. Um, and my dad moved to California when he was 14 and started working day one, right? So it's crazy to think now, you know, him being 55, 56, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, f that over 40 years of working every day and I've never heard him like complain. He has back pains, this and that, and he's still showing up to work. And I think sometimes... You know, myself, like on a Monday, sometimes I'm like, man, like I already had my coffee and I'm still like, <laughs> I'm ready to go home. And it's like, man, like my dad has been, you know, selfless. Going and he's, at it. The, yeah, it's just who he is. You know, he's never complaining. So it makes me I always try to remind myself like, all right, my dad, you know, like the grind, but also just providing for for others and putting others in front of him, which sometimes I tell him he has to be a little bit more selfish, but um you know, I just think he, you know, his biggest heart. And so just growing up, he's, he actually was a basketball player, which okay. is kind of, people always ask me, oh, like, you know, who introduced you to soccer? Yeah. Uh, he played basketball. He's like six, I mean, I guess for uh, a Mexicans, he's like six, three and it was pretty yeah. tall. Right. Yeah. So six, three. Yeah. Six, three. Hey, yeah. Um, and so where's your dad originally from? They're both from Michoacan. Michoacan. From Michoacan? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, it's a pueblo called, uh, San Antonio Carupo. It's like, is it You're typical like, for people to be six and over there? Oh, no, 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 no. You go, every time we go back, it's like, man, he's still, they call him Grande and like, you know, it's like a, it's like a whole thing. So. El Grande. El Grande. What's, yeah. what's your dad's name? Uh, Eligio. Eligio. Eligio El Grande, man. That sounds like a, a very good, uh, yeah, man, I like it. Eligio El Grande. Saludos a Eligio El Grande. Eligio El Grande. I know right now he's, you know, maybe taking his, he's still working. So yeah. Hey, shout out. <laughs> what does he do right now? Uh, it's so both of my parents are actually custodians at Del Valley okay. high school. So okay. the high school I grew up to. So my sister's a teacher at Del Valley. Uh, my younger sister currently goes to Del Valley. I, before I took the program coordinator position. I was a fourth grade bilingual teacher at Del Valley. And so wow. um, that's why I say that, you know, Austin feels like home because even though I was 15 when I moved here and, you know, have a lot of great memories and family members in Chico, um, you know, I feel like, I've, you know, this is this is home. It's great. It's great to hear that, that, that you come from a family that has been so invested into its community and been like an integral part in the school system. And that's that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, for sure. And so that's, I think that's where it comes like, like the passion for education and soccer. Um, because I know the importance of, you know, well, my parents at a, at a young age, they were like, all right, you know, soccer, like we could tell you love it and you want to play, but mm -hmm. you're great to have to, be, you know, be there for you to be able to, right. um, for us to be able to support you and also for us to be able to take time from work to be able to take you to trips. And just because it's, you know, every weekend is traveling and, it's a you know, lot. It's a lot of investment yeah. to play in this country, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Play system and and just going to tournaments and stuff. Is it maybe that's something that you can talk about? Some of that experience of that high school club life, going into the collegiate. Yeah, and so in California, it was like I said, a small town. So um, our our club was, you know, we're decent. We're you know, we'd go to state. Cause so in California, same thing as in Texas. There's a southern uh, like there's North Texas and there's South Texas, and California's. NorCal and then SouthCal, right? Mm -hmm. Southern California. And so as far as Northern California, we would do great, come out of state, and then we would face those kids from Los Angeles and from Southern California. Los <laughs> oh man, they would <laughs> they would they would bring their fans and they were that's I feel like those were my first experiences like with fans and yeah. parents going crazy. And so um yeah, there there was the competition, but I think also 
um, part of the move actually to Texas, you know, my parents, like I said, my, my dad worked in, uh, out in the fields and my mom would clean houses. And, um, I feel like, you know, it was like, we're living like very, just like paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And so, um, I think one of the main reasons why we moved to Austin was because, you know, my dad had a dream about owning a home. So, um, I had a few family members move to Austin and they were like, Hey, like, you know, houses are very affordable, like come out, Mm -hmm. check it out. Um, and just give it a try. And so combination of that. And also I had remember having a conversation with my dad, like, Hey, you know, like I love living here and I love being with my friends, but like, I want to get, I want to be challenged. Right. Because I would see that these kids in Southern California were, you know, they would come and they would kill us three, zero, four, zero. And it's like, okay, I know, you know, I'm going to practice twice, three times a week, but it's like, I need more. Mm -hmm. So basically had some family members here in Texas and I had a a trainer in, in California that actually played in Monterrey and he was living in like San Antonio and he was like, Hey, um, you know, like Texas, like, you know, there's a lot of good soccer as well. So it became part of it. I'm not saying the main reason why I moved to Austin was because of me, but it was like, okay, there's going to be more competition because at this point as a freshman in, um, in Chico, like I had already broken like records for goals and I had already, you know, the, so this Chico state, which is a D2 school in, in Chico. And so coaches were like, Hey, like, you know, you can, you know, moving forward, like if you're interested, you know, there's an opportunity for you to play here. Um, and every time we'd go to Sacramento or San Francisco, like some coaches would have conversations with my parents, like, Hey, if you're interested in, you know, the drive to Sacramento or to the Bay area, or maybe even if you have family over here to stay over here and do like play for a club here. But I mean, that's a two or three hour drive. And so my parents were like, no, like, and we, yeah, yeah, it was just like, I don't think they were ready for that. And, um, so yeah, moving to, to Austin, like, I love that, you know, like being able to play against higher competition was one of the biggest things. And, um, just, there was a larger pool of kids. Right. And so quickly got involved in soccer playing, um, and yeah, was able to, you know, play for a Lone Star and, also played with one of Sonny's uh, summer club team that Appa that he uh, created as well. And so I just got to meet a lot, a lot of my friends to this day, you know, they, they were very like played against them, played with them here in, in Austin. And, you know, there's a lot of good talent. There's a lot of talent here in Austin. So it was, it was cool to be able to experience that at then and seeing where it is now. It's also, I mean, it's incredible and hopefully it continues to grow. And one thing that I got from, from when you started talking is how your parents said, Yes, you're going to be able to play, but your grades need to be good. Yeah. And I, I think, especially in the, in the Latino community, we tend to forget that part. Um, like soccer, soccer is always going to be, that's our passion, right? And education doesn't mean you have to go to a four-year, you know, school, like a university to get a degree. It can just be a trade thing, but something that gives you something new to learn or that expands your mind that way you can have a piece of your, your name and a piece of paper that says you, you finished this plan of graduating. Um, and, and that's pretty good how your parents were able to implement that to you at a younger age. Like, yes, you can play, but your grades gotta be good. And how was, how was that for you? Like, did you struggle with that at first or were you, you're like pretty good in school. No, I'll be the first to say like, I wasn't like, I wasn't the, the smartest kid, you know, like if you, if you asked me what my favorite class was, I would say PE, right? Um, lunch. Still, yeah. Lunch, after school, you know, um, no, yeah. I mean, 
growing up, like I, like my goal wasn't to go to college. Right. Like I, like it's, it's weird to see and it's crazy to think of, but like, you know, my parents didn't, they, you know, they didn't have the same opportunity. So I think my dad went to like fourth grade when he dropped out, my mom, you know, she finished middle school. Um, and so it was never, I had a couple aunts and uncles who were, you know, in college and they, they got their bachelor's, but it was never like plan A. Um, like I said, it was plan A was to play soccer. And then I was like, okay, you know, if I can go to college, like great. But one thing I really liked what you said is now my sister, what, so me and my sister, my older, so I have two sisters, a younger one and an older one. And her and I both graduated from college. So my younger sister got to experience that. So my younger sister at age nine, 10, she was already saying, Oh, I want to go to Texas A&M. Oh, I want to go to the university, you know, like already thinking that. So like, luckily, like, yeah, it's, it comes from seeing us, but it's like my parents at a very young age, Mm -hmm. like saying, I think my, and honestly, I think my parents were just like, he likes soccer. If we can use that as a setup for him. Yeah. For him to do good in class Mm -hmm. because I'm, I was, so like I couldn't stay still. Like, right, you know, right, there was always my report cards were always the same, like great student, but with friends, you know, gets distracted and gets in trouble. Right. That was from like kindergarten. Like my yeah. mom kept those report cards and it was always the same. Um, but I think, you know, I did use that drive to be like, okay, I want to play soccer this weekend. I want to finish my homework. I want to do good. And I, like you said, and we tell the kids nowadays as well, um, I'm not, we're not telling them, Hey, go to, you know, four year private school, you know, out of state or whatever. It's like, if you want to, like, we're helping them build those, those, um, those skills that, Hey, if you want to work for your dad's business, mm-hmm. great. You can go, we're helping you. So, you know, like to be able to communicate with, you know, when you are working with them, do you want to go to trade school? Like you said, you want to, whatever you want to do, we want you, you, ha- there's like those soft skills that we believe that every kid should develop. Mm. And that's what we're using this, the power of soccer to, to develop these skills. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, luckily I get to share my story with these kids every day. And it's like, like I said earlier, like I feel like 20 years ago I was in their shoes. Right. And yeah. so I, I do think as, you know, as Hispanics or Mexicans, como que decir, um, we do think like, Oh, like, you know, it's not for me. No spot on me. Like, you yeah. know, like, you know, my, I never, it's not in my house. So like, you know, it's like, it's like, no, you can change that. You can change that from, you could be the next generation to change that. So, um, lucky in my family, I was able to do it. I know now everyone's, you know, has the same opportunities, but it's like, like trying to, um, take down that, 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 that challenge, I guess. Yeah. I think it starts with family for sure. It sounds like you grew up in a very, very loving and supportive household. Uh, you know, parents that, that, that gave you that, that encouragement to pursue, something you're passionate you're, you're, you're passionate for in, in football, but also use that as a motivator to get you to work on your studies and be very focused or as focused as you could be at the time. Um, which I come from a similar household. You know, I had very encouraging parents and parents that like really pushed me to uh, excel in whether it was soccer or Taekwondo. But I feel that uh, kids at that um, kind of adolescent age have a tendency to act out like we have a tend, like they're going. There's a lot of changes happening in the body and mm-hmm. the mental state. So if you don't, if you if you're not in an environment where you're competing, in a in a safe and uh, and healthy way, in a way that's going to improve your mind and body, you're going to do it in ways that are detriment to your to your to your safety and to the well being of of others. Like you're going to 
you're gonna get into some bad shit you know yeah mm-hmm. so that's why i love i love what you're doing and i love your story man um kind of getting back into some of that some of that some of your background i, I wanted you to kind of describe some of the challenges that you faced um whether it was in high school or college and uh, some advice you you wish you could have uh, given yourself back then yeah well just to even lead off with what you said is um i think i was i mean in california a lot of my friends you know i grew up in a low-income apartment complex you know my dad was always working my my mom you know she did her best but she was you know take care of the house and just taking care of my sister and everything and so i i don't want to say i grew up like in the toughest area but it was also like you know there's a lot of um distraction like you could easily get distracted right you could easily go off the path exactly and you know look like i still have friends in california um that decided to take those different paths and you know i don't think any less of them i still go back to chico and i still you know hang out i still have a beer with them i still go visit their family and you know like they those were the those are the people you grew up with and those are the people in your community and um luckily again going back soccer was kind of my outlet right so it was like i feel like i grew up with the kids who were getting in trouble but i think at the end of the day they would see me and they're like okay like you know we know you have you know you 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 can go you can you can use your talent of soccer or whatever it is to go places and i think they'll respect that and i feel like that's why i still like like i said to this day i still go visit them i still appreciate everything they did because even though you know like i was like a choice away from doing the right wrong choice and you know ending up in in somewhere that you know that my parents wouldn't be happy or i wouldn't be happy with and so yeah um much more difficult path exactly it's crazy looking back yeah. and seeing those like moments where things could have shifted the other way. Yeah. And it's 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 good how your friends respected that part, you know, that um, you were good in soccer, obviously. And then they they weren't like, I guess they respected the fact that they see you could go somewhere. Yeah. And and through that, you kept the connection. And a lot of the times, even when you make it, like, let's say, in a Hispanic culture, te olvidas de la raza. Yeah. Like, we have that tendency of once we make it, we forget about, you know, our people. And we just stick to the people that are in the level that we got. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making it, but also knowing your roots and where you come from. And I like how you said you still go back and hang out with them because I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line, a kid is going to be like, man, look at what Pepe is doing. I want to be right in that situation, like in the same in the spot, you know, like subconsciously you're, you're a role model to people that you go, like for the people that you go back to, maybe not your friends directly, but probably their kids. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, no. And like, I just, I, you know, I, for me, it's important to be around people that, you know, with family or friends that, you know, that support you at one point, or they just like, you know, I think everyone has a good heart. And so being able to, you know, I spent 10 years of my childhood with the, with these uh, with these friends. And so it's like, yeah, they decided to go a different way or, you know, they decided or whatever. But it's like at the end of the day, like that doesn't make them a bad person. Right. right. And so for me, um, and like, as you guys can tell, like for me, it's like I my tattoo like inspire. Like I just think that we like for me, it's really important just to inspire. Right. Whether it's people older than me or younger than me or whatever you know girls boys like whatever 
you know, whoever it is, I think that if I could inspire them or if I could even just share my my uh, my story and be able to like, hey, like, OK, maybe I could do this differently or, hey, it worked for this because I wish like I've I mean, all three of us probably at one point we could be like, oh, I wish I would have not necessarily regret, but it's like I wish I could have told my young self this. Right. And right. that could have changed a little bit of where we are now or or just. Yeah, it's always easy to connect the dots looking backwards. But one thing I can attest to, man, just from volunteering uh, with uh, Upper 90 at the time, now better the leaders, is um, how much the kids love and respected you, even uh, even if you weren't there or even if you showed up for a little bit. Um, That kind of told me a little bit about you without actually knowing you. Um, I know you'd you'd went through uh, some difficult times with certain with injuries. Um, I remember you you were having like extensive problems and issues with your knee and your ACL. Um, so I was wondering if you can talk, talk to us a little bit about that, what that experience was like having to, um, deal with that while also trying to lead an organization that was very active. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, coming back to your other question, right, your biggest obstacle, I think that has been it because so after I graduate, like I had some injuries in college, um, and then, you know, I thought I was done playing and I was like, okay, like I'm done with soccer. I'm not trying to play at a very competitive level. Um, and that, you know, playing, I was playing men's league. I was playing, it was like a $5,000 tournament or something. And it was like, just my knee went out. And it was, I think, the scariest moment of my life. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, this was back in 2019. Um, try to, yeah, that's probably the lowest I've been. And so, like, not just as far as like sports, but like your like your day-to-day changes so much. And yeah. so going back to like physically, I knew I was going to get there because I, you know, like just growing up playing soccer and like, I like the, the, the working out and I like the, you know, becoming stronger or faster or whatever. Like that's process, something, yeah. Process and the work behind it. Exactly. And I think that's very, you know, you go find a trainer or find a buddy who wants to work out. And I think that's easier, but that was the first time that mentally I struggled the most, like, like emotionally, like I just, was at my lowest. And so, you know, unluckily some of my close friends and also my parents had to see me like that. Um, but then I, I think I, you know, I gave myself like a month or two of just like being sad and being like, okay, like, you know, like being borderline, you know, like, I guess just being just mentally not, or, you know, very strong. And, um, then, so I actually went back to training and I was like back at it and I felt a little bit better. Um, and actually, I was on the field with you um, when the second time. Not it, it wasn't so. That's right. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh, you, you, so you had yeah. two. You yeah. So came, oh, back, came out with the Bailey boys for one yeah. night. I believe uh, maybe Pacheco invited. Pacheco, yeah. Pacheco. I, I'm still I, pissed I, to him. I still don't want to talk to him. Why did he? He shouldn't invite me. Se va a un veinte. No, no, no. Yeah, so... Te lo agarro y yo sé dónde vive el vato. Hey. Le traigo unos cholos. Yeah, no. Me, me debe, o sea, todavía me debe una rodilla y, y la operación. No, but... Um, yeah, on, yeah so 2019, the first one happened. And it was my first in, big injury. So I'm like, you know, just scrambling, finding yeah. a surgeon, like trying to do physical therapy wherever I can, like trying to work and just trying to balance everything. Um, and then I was like... Eight, nine months out, I had already, you know, I started running. I started doing more physical activity. And then Pacheco invited me to go play. At this, well, before that, we had like a week of training at the UT Intermill Fields. Mm-hmm. 
So we're like doing just like, I was like, okay, I want to start out. Nice fields. Yeah, nice. Nice Yeah, exactly. With lights. (laughs) And so, but you know, like you just missed, like I just missed playing soccer and it was already like, it was 10 months and I was like, man, like you feel a little bit. It's almost like like, you got an itch. Like you just have to go out there and play. Exactly. (laughs) And so we're playing and I remember it was, it was, this is my first time in this field and it was, it was maybe like ABA 99 playing small Saturday, start getting dark. And again, back to the itch. Um, you know, I had been playing soft, just touching the ball around. Yeah. But Chico has the ball, and I remember going, like, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to try to go in a little I, bit stronger. I remember that, like, like it was yesterday. I looked up, and I saw you and Pacheco going body to body, like, full contact, full force. And I and I thought, man, this is not going to end well. Yeah. Dang. The mind isn't thing. It's just your body. Like, it's just Bailey's. reaction. Yeah. At Bailey's. At Bailey's. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually... I felt like a pull, like a hamstring, pull, like a, I don't know if you guys have, have like yeah. a yeah, hamstring, yeah, yeah. but it was like behind my knee. So mm-hmm. I remember panicking. I was like, okay. So I stopped. I went over to, actually went over to Caitlin's house, which is the VP. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Caitlin's Impact. Impact. Yeah. Um, oh, she just got married, right? This weekend. Oh, yeah. congrats. Caitlin. Congratulations, Caitlin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, like I panicked. And so, you know, her being one of my mentors yeah, and just yeah. being someone that I could just trust, um, completely her and her husband I drive over there and I'm like hey like I just felt something like you know I just need ice or I need to just I need to calm down basically and so they took me in they gave me ice just kind of hung out talked a little bit um but there's no swelling so I was kind of like I was a little bit you know like there wasn't any swelling and I felt something like it felt more like a pulse I was like oh I think I'm fine and so I like go back, like I take like a week break and then I go back to just, you know, running again and trying to do like, you know, just literally kicking the ball to a, to a wall and just trying to get my touches back. Um, and then I was coaching at one of the schools at Dobie and when I kicked the uh, kids, kicked the ball up and I went to just control it and my knee buckled, no one around me. And I think all of the kid the kids just freaked out because they just saw me go down and I like, I just... I, like I felt the pop again and instant swelling and I remember just taking a minute I'm like all right I'm gonna be strong because these kids are around but yeah. like just wanted to be like just felt like the ground just you know wow it's me crazy home, man. man and it was like it's in crazy. a place where you should be strong exactly in front of people yeah. that's and I, how how was that um I mean, sorry, continue. Then you get it. Yeah, I don't know what happened over here. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, so after that, I'm like, okay, now, you know, like, like you said, being on the field, like, like, it's like, I have to be active, right? I have to just be able to move around. And so, um, went into surgery, like two days before my birthday, uh, for the second time, a different surgeon. Um, Thank you. one that was a little bit more with, uh, sports injuries and, went through the whole process but again I, like I mentioned earlier I, after the first surgery I was like my lowest but this was like times 20 like yeah. like you, you think you're you're close you think you're getting back to it and before that before my first injury I was playing soccer like Monday to Friday I was going to soccer zone south I was playing men's league Fleurville round like anything and, and this is what I think you know I'm a believer that you know stuff kind of happens for a reason mm-hmm. and I think it was just like God telling me, like, all right, you need to take a break, you know, because yeah. I was playing. It's so familiar. It reminds, yeah. it reminds me of someone out there, <laughs> someone that should be here talking with us. I know, right? <laughs> That's he's, crazy. Our bodies, uh, well, our bodies have a limit, man. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad he's like over there, you know, like in a train right now, probably going to the Empire State, <laughs> yeah, and not playing soccer for a while. 
There's a lot of walking in New York though, so yeah, so I want to make sure. Lo carga Hannah, don't worry. He's a girl guy. She's a strong woman. <laughs> or Ryan. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, man. You were saying uh, the second time was way worse, and that's when I think mentally I was like, like emotional, like I was just done. Like I didn't want to be around anyone. Oh, and to even this was last year, so COVID, right? So it's a pandemic, and so. I'm like, it just gets doubled on you, man. Yeah. So I, when I had my surgery, my dad was able to just walk me in the, into like the check-in and then he was out. So I'm like with the mask, like everyone, like super careful. And I remember just waking up and, you know, like, again, my knees just like, excuse me, it's just completely just going through everything again. But now, so it's the same knee. First time was MCO, ACL. Second time was ACL, PCL. So ACL and PCL do the exact opposite. So I couldn't bear weight or bear or bend my knee for it was eight weeks, so two months. So the bottom of my foot was like turning purple because I literally couldn't do anything to it, and I would just lay in bed. And you know, like my parents, I went, I stayed those first like two, three months with my parents, and they would like bring me food and then drop it off, and then just like come pick it up. And I was like trying to do like push-ups and just trying to like do my work and just like trying to do something but i mean being by yourself locked in a, a super small room and just mentally like you got the best of me and uh yeah just very i think the first time like i said i think i it was like a month or like three four weeks of just like feeling sorry for myself but this one was like i was mad at the world and i was mad at my friends and i was mad at my parents and it was for no reason and it was just because you know like I just had to take it out on someone, and unfortunately, like it had to be to the, those that I loved. But it was it was a very very tough time in my life. That's tough, man. Did you have a girlfriend at that time? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that yeah, so it was very like it it, it was a tough time a tough for time. sure. And I, and you know, her other friends, I think they all saw that I was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um. And so some of them, when they did ask, you know, to help me and they try to give me a hand, I was like, nah, like I was just pushing people away. It's tough, man. It's tough when we're going through moments in life that are extremely difficult for us. And we're in a dark place that the people you end up pushing and hurting are the people that are the closest to you and that love you the most. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's when you need the most love um, and the most care. Um, And that shows true friendship, family and and uh, significant others when when uh, they can look past your your funk and like really get in there and try to support you even if you're trying to push them away. So lucky for, lucky for you that you had your family here and, and a girlfriend here that that um were able to kind of be there for you that support network even if you didn't want them to be there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at the time you just wanted to just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or just be on your own, which yeah. is the toughest time. It's, it's the hardest way to deal with problems. Yeah. For me, it was very just like at this point, like I stopped watching soccer and I was just like, yeah, I got really big with just like listening to music. And, yeah. you know, um, it was like during the time where like I, I started listening to like Nipsey Hustle and just again, like going to inspire and just like watching his interviews and just, you know, just trying to stay somewhat motivated. Right, but right around when he passed away. Or, yeah. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So it was really big, actually. So he it, believe if I'm not wrong. He passed away in 2019. So that was during my first surgery. So it was a lot of just listening to him, his his um, 
his his interviews as well and just like yeah. real inspirational figure yeah for sure and I, remind me if i'm incorrect that he passed away similar to around the time kobe passed away didn't he or was it a little bit after i can't remember to be honest so kobe was early 2020 yeah kobe was so kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. But year, pretty, pretty yeah after. yeah but i remember yeah within the same year well it was 2019 and 2020 but it was like less than 12 months that that both of them so yeah i mean a lot so i grew up as a sacramento kings fan in northern california but so i grew up hating the lakers right right. but you like you got to appreciate who kobe is and deny the greatness and someone like the figure that he is going through uh so many so many injuries like the the type of injuries he had which were some of them were the similar career 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 ending injuries yeah coming back from them that's crazy man well I'm glad you're here. I'm glad. How are you doing now? Um, I, I a lot better. I'm so my last surgery was back in June of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, from I think so from leading from the first injury to the second one, I think it was like my mentality from the first one was like I want to get back on the field and I want to start playing, even if it's men's league or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, after the second one, I was like, okay, my mentality is when I'm 30 and you know, 30, 35 and I have kids, I want to be able to run with them. And so I'm right there with you (laughs) mentality change. So it's crazy. Like I haven't played competitive soccer in over two years, which is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, you know, with luckily enough with my job, I get to play with kids who aren't forced to be there. Kids that want to be there. Kids that love soccer, kids that will play with jeans, barefooted, whatever. And it made me see how like, This is why I started playing soccer when I was four or five. And this is the love that I had for the game. So every day I get reminded that, you know, it's more than just like the competitive drive. And right. It's more than a game. It's more than a game. It's, exactly. It's life, exactly. For sure. And so hopefully I'm on the fields the next, you know, by in the next six months or, or less. But like I said, I don't think there's a rush anymore like there was after that first one. So you're still pretty much like on recovery right now. Yeah, still recovering. I still, I mean, my there was just too much trauma. So even if I, you know, doing, they told me, I remember they first told me they're like, okay, well, so an ACL the first time can, you can get back on the field, you know, seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second time they're like, okay, like the suit, like you're looking at like 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. And so that's like almost triple. Yeah. And so yeah. I am like, I, the, my knee still deals with a little bit of swelling and they're still just like, very like I really don't have like feeling so I'll hit myself and it's like I'll be bleeding I'm like bleeding but like I didn't feel the hit because my it's just like the skin and all the nerves like there it's there's a lot of damage so um yeah I, I mean I'm still kind of in that recovery mode I guess you would say and and on top of that you have like this amazing stuff that you're doing that's I mean I don't know dude that that sounds like how, how can how can I say it? It's it's a I think that you know it's a work in progress uh, the whole you know with the knee thing and how that slow you down how you said earlier you know it's because of you know like maybe God wanted you to take a break and if it seems like if you were healthy you would probably not be maybe a hundred percent on what you're doing right now and it's. Eh, como que Dios te quita una y te da otra. Una de cal por una de arena. No, no, see. That, and that's that's how, I, I think that's how I do see life, right? Yeah. It's like, I was so focused and I was already 
head coach or I was already involved with at this point we're upper 90 I was already involved but at their practice like you know coaching 25 30 35 kids but if I have a game that night I'm already thinking like oh I have a, you know at 10 like I, yeah. I have to be ready like I'm gonna warm up a little bit and I'm gonna kick the ball around with the kids but I'm focused on like on me game. doing that yeah and I was doing I mean in the morning I would work out go to work and then you know go to uh, upper 90 practice and then I would go play and then sometimes I would still have try. my dad was working late at, at the Del Valley gym so I would go over there 30 minutes just do it. and so I was like physically I felt good but like I was you know like there's a limit I think like you said the body has a limit and right. so I think it was like okay now I'm you know even though I still love the game and like but now it's like how can I use the power of soccer again but now it's like the next generation right yeah for sure man yeah the body has a limit uh, life has an expiration date. It's tough. These are things that we we all deal with, you know. And um, one thing I did want to touch on a little bit with you guys is, you know, this being November, it is kind of uh, like uh, Men's Health Awareness Month. It's part of the reason I'm growing this. Like I, I saw that. I was I was just about to ask you. I see. Hey man, mustache. own it. Uh, own it. Hey man, I'm owning my passion. Is uh, I got inspired by uh, Esteban. He he was like, hey man, you got to own your passion. Is I'm like, fuck it, let's go. But yeah, at least, at least I don't mean to cut you off, but at least you can grow facial. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. 27 yeah, and I'm, I'm here. For, I'm here for all the baby face people out there trying to grow a mustache. You know, we're doing holding our thing. it down for us, uh, hold it down. But the point, the point of uh, men's men's health awareness is just to kind of raise awareness on uh, a number of issues. First is like testicular cancer. Uh, the other is prostate, prostate cancer. And the other thing is just uh, mental health, mental health for men. So, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast and like touching on some of your moment your low moments you know being vulnerable and letting us know how 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 you dealt with those things because it's it's not a lot of things that we it's not very common for for men to come out to to just talk about how low moments in their life or what they're going through but i think we got to normalize it more yeah and and you coming on the podcast is a little step towards that and you being part of better the leaders and kind of opening those types of conversations is part of that you know so yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And I think even more with like Hispanic male, oh. like we're not supposed to be yeah. sad. We're not supposed, we're supposed to, be, to be strong. Yeah. You're supposed to not cry. Yeah. yeah. And so that's another one of my, I guess, role models. It was more on the field, but recently, what well, he's done a lot in his interviews and what you see from him, like Chicharito. Chicharito. Like, oh, of I don't know, like we know, you know, like you see what he does on the field, but right. I've been able to follow him, you know, in the beginning. From the beginning, right. exactly. And he he's, you know, he talks about his low points. He talks about his change and his development as a human, right? Mm-hmm. We see him as, a, a lot of people see him, and including myself, we see him as a soccer player, mm-hmm. and we're easy to criticize him. But it's like all these athletes at the end of the day, like they're all humans. And so for them to be able to speak, they, they're in a big platform. They have a large mm-hmm. platform and they a do. large following. So do. for Chicharito to come out and, and interview his first game back after injury and crying and, you know, celebrate those two goals with this, like that to me is powerful. And not only because he's Mexican and he played for Chivas and he played for Real Madrid and Manchester, all these teams that I like. <laughs> but, he played for all the teams you like. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it just, it just happened it just that happened. way. <laughs> but um, truly like, be and there's a lot more there's you know artists and you know um other professional athletes who have you know been in public and they've they've talked about their mental health but like you said you got we got to normalize it like it's okay to be sad it's okay to cry it's okay to be able to speak about our feelings and for me 
like that's one thing I when I talk to the kids is like, hey, when I was your age, uh, my kids, my friends weren't going to see me cry. Right. Yeah. I wasn't going to talk about my feelings. Um, but now that I'm older, it's like I'm, I'm like I'm as real as I, I could be with these kids, because at the end of the day, those kids can read through the through the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And they can for sure. And so if I'm putting up a front from being this or I'm doing that, it's like. They, uh, you know, so I, I, I try to keep it as real. And, you know, if I'm having a bad day or if I'm sad, they, like I said, when they saw me get injured, they like they'll fail for me. Like yeah. they 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 saw me with the crutches out there on the field and trying to do my best. But I think that's when, you know, like you're able to have these connections with the kids because they see that you're not you're not being fake. You're not you're not you're not being you're not trying to just be another person in my life. I'm I'm really there because I really do care about you. And right. I'm and hope, you know, like even though this program is for them to be able to develop their skills and to play soccer and to, you know, just become better humans, better soccer players on and off the field. But it's like it's helped me too as a as a first as a coach and now as a program coordinator. Like they've helped me, you know, be able to express myself. Yeah. They've helped me um have communication skills. Now I can, you know, I just feel more comfortable around kids and just being able to be myself. And so as much as I say that I helped them, like they've helped me tremendously as well. It's and good. something I appreciate. Nice. It's, it's good, man. And, uh, now I, I think we, we have a lot of, you know, like say, for example, another example of me as a medicalista, I wish you could have done the same. Cotton Blanco. If he would have taken care of a lot of his mental stuff, yeah. I think he would have been in a, in a different situation. But, and and if you look at it, like say, you know, going back to the mental health part, look at how many like players in Mexico. Maybe we haven't gone to the next step because we haven't dealt with that issue. You know, being vulnerable of of, you know, like just taking care of ourselves, like our mental health, especially. Because every four years we go through a loss, right? Every four years we go through a heartbreak. <laughs> and now, now, now you see a little more, like, I think they have inspirational coaches that come in and talk yeah. and, and do yeah. this, this, uh, inspirational things. But if, if we look at it, a lot of the Mexican players, they don't really want to show their emotion compared to, you know, like other, other countries, like in South America, I mean, you feel a little more vulnerability there. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's, uh, Chicharito's doing something different in that aspect. Right. right. And we, it might not seem like, ah, oh, he's just faking. Like, nah, he's actually showing who he really is. Yeah. yeah. And he gets a lot of slack for it, man. Yeah. He gets a, so much criticism, but I think he's probably the most transparent Mexican player there yeah. in terms of saying exactly what he thinks, exactly what he feels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what he's going through and how he's dealing with it. Sometimes people receive uh, truths in a way that are like, that's not, it doesn't mm-hmm. follow the script of what he should be acting like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever you don't follow the script of what people think you should be acting like, people are going to reject you or criticize you. And I feel like the, the Mexican press and just the, the Mexican press in general is like, it's pretty... It's tough. It's the worst. It's it tough, tough, dude. It is tough on players. It is tough on coaches. It is tough on anyone. Even between themselves. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. and it's every sport. Like, I was listening to, uh, I don't know how much you guys follow, like boxing, like Canelo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Canelo. Canelo's oh, doing yeah. his thing, right? Like, he's I king. appreciate. To me, like, he's the king of yeah. boxing. Yeah. He's the, well, he's the face of boxing for sure. But I, 
after that fight, I remember looking at um, Rafa Marquez in an interview, the older boxer, and they asked him, they're like, hey, like, do you think he's one of the top boxers? And he was like, no. Like, right. Uh, Marquez. Yeah. Juan yeah. Manuel. Juan Manuel Marquez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rafa is his brother. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. They're okay. bros. Yeah. But yeah, I saw the interview too. And it's like, He's from Mexico. Like yeah. I know your past. Your it's like envidia. Like he was a little jealous. He was yeah. a little jealous. Yeah. And man. the comments were he like, dude, jealous. it's like obvious that like, and and I think that's why you have Chicharito, you have Carlos Vela, who they just they're sick of the media, and 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 the media just doesn't help the the Mexican athlete, and especially in in their country. So Chicharito, if you ever want to come on the podcast. I mean, we'll welcome you with open arms, man. We can let you talk, but Carlos Villa, same to you. Only if you wear a Chivas jersey. Ooh. <laughs> Dad, so, I don't know. That's actually how I met Richie. Uh, oh, yeah. We met at the uh, uh, Clark soccer field, like probably 2017, 16? 2018, 2016, probably. Yeah. And I was wearing a Chivas jersey, and he, I don't know where he just came up to me and said, Oh, I don't even remember, but the point is that I knew you were an America fan. Yeah. And we were talking shit. Oh, because he was, you, you were like pretty strong. I'm like, oh, and that's in the time when I was like, oh, you know, yeah. like beefing up and working out. <laughs> yeah, we were, and I was we like, were bonding este vato le voy a dar <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it, it developed a, a But it was, a it was a clean, like a clean, like, oh, you know, going at it each a other. friendship for yeah. life. And then I don't know if you came to Bailey after that or you'd already been going, but you met yeah. all the guys. But man, it's crazy how soccer. Uh, I have a, I have a circle. Like yeah, that. no, no. And it's like, this is actually the first time I've actually said this story though, mm-hmm. but, uh, so yeah, like you mentioned, I'm a Chivas fan, but no, it's all good. <laughs> no, no, no. But look, and I'm gonna no, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be open, and I'm I like a lot of people don't know this actually about me. Um, so growing up, my my dad, you know, like even though he played basketball, like he just he's a big Pumas fan. Yeah, big Pumas fan. His whole all of my dad's family is Pumas or America. Um, my mom's side is all Cruz Azul. Like they are Cruz Azul, so I'm I'm happy for them. You know, they got to experience the championship in the last you know 25 whatever years. Hey, so Chaparro, yeah, he love that. He love that. Yeah, he no, was no. now he's just the, he's in New York right now. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still celebrating the championship. Still yeah, he's still. <laughs> um, but yeah, so growing up, my parents would buy me. You know, they would buy me well Morelia because Michoacan. Michoacan yeah. yeah, they would buy me like Boca Junior. Um, River, like all the uniforms, you know, they would get me Santos, whatever it was, but um, Santos por el Sonny, <laughs> Santos por el Sonny, Morelia because of Sonny too. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. por Sonny, Atlante por Sonny, yeah. Dorado Sonny. <laughs> they even bought Venados. Me Austin, yeah, the Austin Bull. And Austin Bull <laughs> It wasn't even a franchise, but yeah. Um, but. They bought me so my, growing up, my favorite clothes were black and red. Yeah. So Atlas. Atlas. When they bought me the Atlas, Ooh. I was like, "This is my." T- I mean, I was like three or four. Yeah, you just were gravitating towards those black and red. Those colors. I was like, I didn't know anything about their history, but I was like, <laughs> "Man, this is it." So I remember watching those games, and I started following. Like when I, you know, like people always ask me, like, "What did you watch as a kid? Like, what cartoons?" And I was like, honestly, like, I just watch soccer. Yeah. And so watching La Liga Mexicana, watching Copa Libertadores. Um, and so just being able to watch Atlas was like, oh, you know, every weekend me and my dad would catch like three, four. He would watch Pumas. I would watch Atlas. You know, my sister, my my, uh, my mom would catch the Cruz Azul game. We're just watching every game. Yeah. And um, so, you know, from five to eight, I remember just like I was fully Atlas. And then this is where it gets funny. And you're going to enjoy this one because uh, you're going to remind me. Um <laughs> 
un paletero came to our apartment. Paletero, paletero, I can see came. That going. paletero came, yeah. And he he was the biggest Chivas fan, like just biggest Chivas fan over in Cali. Yeah, in Cali, okay. yeah, in Chico. And so he's coming, and you know, I I show up with my Atlas jersey, Oof. like hey, you know, a dollar, like charge you extra. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he didn't charge me. Um, but he was like, yeah, he was like. He he was like obviously jokingly he was like no like if you have that shirt I'm not I'm not I'm not giving you no whatever service. yeah no service basically <laughs> and then uh, I was with a friend or or someone was like you know like it was like ten people like join and stuff yeah. and all I was like what well, like you know like I have like I you know I have my dollar like and he was like no solo like te doy gratis uh, if you bring a um if you wear a Chivas jersey. And Dang. so one one of my friends or some neighbor heard it and he's like, "Hey, I have a Chivas jersey." <laughs> and so this guy brought the Chivas jersey and me la puse just for the for the free paleta and ever since then no te la quitaste. No me la quité. <laughs> my till uh, till that day, yeah. my, I mean, I remember a few days later my uh, that neighbor was like, "Hey, I want my jersey back." I was like, "No, this is my team. <laughs> bro, this is my team. Give me free ice cream, bro." Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, me vendí for for paleta, but hey, that's that's how the story that's is. That's going to be the, the name of the uh the the me vendí por paletas. <laughs> <laughs> so the only person that that calls me out for that still is my dad because he's the only he him and you two or and Everyone who's listening to that. I, I used know. to, uh, I grew up uh, liking Necaxa because Aguinaga, Ivo Basai. And then uh, my first, actually, my first game in the Azteca, like not playing, but like going. Um, <laughs> no, like in a club wise. Not, not, actually, I got to see Bolivia and Mexico in the Confederaciones. Oh, nice. Uh, I forgot to tell Javi Pereira about that. And then, but my first, like, I would say Liga, Liga you know, like uh, Liga MX. Was uh, Necaxa Chivas, cool. and one of my uncles, he's a teacher. He was a teacher in a, in a university, and era de paga, so they had palcos, and they invited us. So we went, and we were in a palco. Then the lefe. Okay, okay. Oh, and, they were at this point. They the, were still, yeah, 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 they were still in the lefe. So it was on a Saturday, and after after the game, the palco gives you the privilege of going to where they the the players are leaving the locker room into the bus and that's how they sign autographs. So I got to see uh, all the Chiba players, which back then Osvaldo Sanchez was just, I think his second season in Chivas and even Chuy Mendoza, but he, and then after that he went to America. Uh, I got to see Aguinaga and then there was this one guy and in, uh, in, in the second club world cup ever, which was 19 and 2000 Montesinos. He was a Uruguayo, I believe yeah. he had a, the, he he dyed his hair and it had a rayos. It was like bald headed, yeah. like blonde, and then the rayos like yeah. design. So I got to meet him, and he was actually mad because he didn't play. So I was, we were leaving, and my uncle was like, "Hey, is that Montesinos?" Like, "Oh, hey, yeah." But I'm a little kid. I go say hi, and yeah. he gives me the, the autograph and stuff. But it, it's uh, the first game that I got to see was uh, Necaxa Chivas, not in America, but not until like the week, the the day after. We went to see America Pachuca, yeah. but I, it was, uh, it's, I'm, I mean, I grew up liking like Necaxa because I mean, they're from the FA and I'm from the FA. So yeah. America and, and Necaxa, they're from the FA and Necaxa was actually catering to the kids. So when I was young, I was like, ah, Necaxa, America. Yeah. yeah. When I got older and you know, yeah. I always, I always appreciated Necaxa, but 
America is right there. My first game was, was what? Well, I don't know which one was first, but I saw Chivas and La Piedad. Okay. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, Rebos, yeah, yeah. Reboceros. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I, I don't know if at this point I was, I was pulling for Chivas right now, but I remember because it's a super small stadium. Chivas was leaving and Osvaldo Sanchez, I remember that like I can, you could, all my family knows this story. Osvaldo Sanchez, like people were like booing him, this and that. He, he probably didn't even look this way, but I was next to my mom and like he looked over and he blew a kiss. And in my head, I was like <laughs> 10. He blew a kiss too. I was like, oh, I'm done with it. Like Osvaldo Sanchez. Cut that shit. Yeah, cut that, cut that. Um, and so, and that was, so that was one, that was a friendly though, I think when I saw. And then, uh, First, like, official game that I can remember is uh, Morelia America, too, okay. in uh, in Morelia. And that was also crazy experience. America, I mean, the America fans are everywhere, so. And, and like, Morelia fans are, like, all, like, family members, yeah. and it's, like, very, like. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, a family more, event, yeah, more yeah, chill, more yeah. laid back. Nah, That's dude, awesome. it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how, you know, like, La, La, La Liga de Mexico has a lot of stories for us because we grew up on it. Yeah. Um. And Morelia, already out right now, you know, like they're not in the, in, in, the, in, la, in la primera. Yeah. They're on the, uh, how do you call it? La de, de, de Desarrollo. Oh, which, yeah, so they took out the Descenso and, oh, and now it's like, anymore. nah. So now I think. Yeah, they've, they've been trying to figure out that structure, but yeah. the Federación's just been, like I was telling you earlier, like I grew up watching yeah. uh, Liga Mexicana, but it's changed so much and it's just. You know, like I admit that I, I stepped away from it a little bit. Yeah. I don't catch it as much. But again, when I go over to my parents, me and my dad still catch like two or three games. Two, three but, games. Um, yeah, another another story. When I first went to San Morelia, um, where I was I was actually in Michoacan. So we, my family, we grew up going to Michoacan for Christmas and we spent a month there, spend New Year's there. And there was one year that Morelia was going to play Chivas or it might have been it might have been Tecos because I think El Bofo. So El Bofo, my idol growing he up, right? He played from Morelia. Yeah, yeah. Morelia, first, yeah. yeah. He but he was, Morelia. I don't know, if, was he in Morelia first and Tecos, then Tecos or then Tecos in Morelia? I think it was Morelia, then Tecos, Tecos and then Chivas. Chivas. Yeah. Yes. Because he came, it was, he wasn't going to be home. Uh, like he was, so I think he was in Tecos maybe because I remember, like everyone knew, everyone from my parents' rancho knew that I was a big Bofo fan. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Ever, like they're like hey like it was like after new year's a week after they're like hey like you know like I, i'll buy your ticket literally like let's go watch the game like both was gonna be there and i was like yeah let's do it i found out that same day when i found out that that uh both was gonna go to Morelia, play against morelia that my flight was on the same day to oh, fly back to school with my yeah. uncle mm -hmm. oh damn so i remember crying <laughs> and i was like no like move my flight but they're like, no, like you have to be back in school on Monday, so you can't. And um, Pero yeah, they, 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 yeah, they made a sign. They were like, because growing up, they like I I used to be bald as well. Like yeah. my everyone used to just, I mean, I used to like el bofo. So they were like, they made a sign that was like saludos al bofito, and like uh, you know, it came out on TV, and I was like, all right, like this is this is cool for my family. But my, all my family went to that game, so dude. Um, so you remember este Abreu, Sebastián Abreu? Yeah. He used to play for Tecos yeah. before yeah, he yeah. he went to uh, he went to sure. Uruguay. He's played in like twenty teams. But he played in twenty teams. He just teams. retired yeah. like, yeah. like, just like retired a week like ago. Week. Yeah, <laughs> but he, but he was ball headed, and Bofo got that idea from him. Oh really? Yeah, I, I was because I, I still I, I I hopefully I can find the 
there in another magazine because that was a like I got the magazine on the way from Mexico to Laredo and it had like Bofo ball-headed and, and then starting up Bofo Abreu and then I see Bofo like a couple yeah. like a year later like with that style yeah. and I was like is that Abreu we're like nah that's that's another guy and like El Bofo Batista like oh what yeah but that, that was pretty funny how he picked it up from El, El Loco Abreu yeah yeah man now that you got me thinking about like old uh, Liga Mekis games and Libertadores games I never got the chance to actually go to a, to a, a, a Mexican league game in Mexico uh-huh. except you know recently I think three years ago I went to an Atlas Monterrey game mm-hmm. I got to see Rafa Marquez kind of in his at the twilight of his career yeah. Yeah. it was nice but the most memorable game I've ever seen was a Libertadores uh, Chivas Boca Juniors oh. You remember that game in oh, La Monera? Man. Was it the, 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 fourth, the 4-0 the, they beat? It, que lo, first el, the 4-0 they, the, in, that was Jalisco. in Jalisco. Yeah, yeah. Y luego and then they went they and they like held it down. Yeah. But they, 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 like the Boca... Ese, ese pecker, man. He, he spit uh, on el bofo. En el bofo, he yeah. He spit on bofo. Yeah. Ne- and that was... I was dude, a kid, I was like, what? The, that was is what it is the year before like that? that he didn't get called by La Volpe. Yeah, for the World Cup because I, I, for me, Buffalo should have been a less local He was in his prime. Dude. Well, no, yeah. they, which which year though? In two thousand, like that happened two thousand five, two thousand six. Because there was that whole in twenty ten when El Buffalo went when he shouldn't have gone. Well, yeah, yeah. Cotemo should have been there. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, 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 but uh, that's, that's crazy how you say like that's the game that like it's just ingrained in your mind that oh, yeah. the, the ida y vuelta las dos for different reasons are just in your mind the, the ida for the golazos for like dude like every, outside the 18 booth like like uh, every, ball, like, every goal was Alfaro, like peak highlight and then the second game the way they held it down in like the most dangerous stadium in the world probably and just how the fans could it's have crazy, better, dude. Better Mexican team. Yeah. That came out. I, I went to, uh, so going back to Libertadores, um, when, when America, like the first America 2000, in the year 2000, they were, they went to the semifinals and they lost to Boca like by one freaking goal, like in the last five minutes. Well, they were going to play in Azteca and one of my uncles, he like, he comes to my dad like, hey, I have another ticket. Like, I want to take a Richie. And we were, we were like on the verge of coming here. So we had to save money and stuff. And my yeah. was like, no, we have to save money. And I was like, dude. And I saw, I mean, even America lost. I was like, man, I could have, I could have been there, you know, it would have been a life changing story and, and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I, and I think after that, I was like, you know what? Every game that I can't go, I'm going to go. Yeah. But Mexican teams did have a disadvantage because I don't remember that rule that was like, they could never play La Vuelta in, in Mexican in Mexico, soil. Mexico, yeah. And so, Especially the final. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or if they win a Libertadores, the Mexican team doesn't go representing South America. It'll be the El Otro, el otro Finalista. Yeah, which that I think that affected a little bit. But it's unfortunate that they, the Mexican teams aren't longer in there. But those are some of the best stories, like some yeah. of the best games that was memories. The of worst, the worst move to come out of Libertadores. Yeah. Because... To me, that was when... Peak competition. Yeah, Mexican teams got to play yeah. in peak competition level. Because Tigres was the last one, right? And Tigres. And what, so I think they played the, they the, lost final, the final, 2016, yeah. 17, con este River. Yeah, I think I, I think well, it was Chivas, Tigres, and Cruz Azul played the final yeah. with them. Cruz Azul, yeah. Final. yeah. So it was three. Cardoso was run. in that in a team. Palencia, because Palencia moved to Villarreal after that. Yeah, and times, some man. good times, right? Dude, times. I still. I mean, hopefully MLS. You know, they they can. 
go up in a level like Libertadores because like in La Liga MX, like the other teams need it, man. They need that competition. They need a competition level for sure. Yeah. So uh, I want to kind of reel this back a little bit. And we, we got really excited. We started getting yeah. on to Mexican football. I, I, it's top of the I think it's that, that the Hop Squad. Hop Squad. Shout out to Hop Squad for, for the Pub Squad uh, brew. It's a seasonal brew. Yeah. Correct, Richie? Yeah, I think um, that's spooky. Something. I don't know. I don't know what type of beer this is. but it's, like, Give me the seasonal one. Like, that really one. Cool it's delicious. Um, it's got little puppies on it. I think uh, Bip is fond of pups. He has a pup himself. Yes, I do. Stala. What's uh, her name? Uh, his name. His so name? I have a, he's 15-month golden retriever named Ross. I don't know if you guys ever watched Friends. And he's a big Austin FC fan, so... <laughs> <laughs> I got, oh. I got a cat named Machine. Yeah? <laughs> From Machine Alvarez, yeah. Oh, I see. That's what's up. I have four chickens. Four <laughs> hens. There you go. Loretta, Odette, Charlie, and Frankie. Stop. Then what was the other Loretta? Every day, man. Puro huevo. huevo. You don't have to go to the grocery store anymore? Nah, 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 none of that. H-E-B los venden mucados. Well, yeah, good to know that your your dog is an Austin FC fan. A little bit back on the Austin FC family. Can you talk to us a little bit about 4ATX, the foundation? Yeah, so uh, so 4ATX Foundation is the nonprofit arm of Austin FC, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's made out of a team of five of us, um, Caitlin being the VP of Community Impact, and her being a badass, and just, I know Shout you. Shout out to Caitlin, man. Yeah, man, she's amazing. She's, she's awesome. Hey, her Spanish is on point, if you guys ever want to See. get her on here as well. Bye, bye, bye. Hey, man. Que le caiga. Excellent, guys, yeah. for sure. Um, and so, yeah, she was, you know, when she took that VP position, uh, so in, like we were upper 90 before that. And she, when she, she offered me the position to come and join the Fortex foundation, which it was basically her, she was going to run this, the nonprofit arm of Austin FC, um, and her just being able to do stuff for the community, right. Just being able to, you know, Austin, we know that Austin is one of the best cities in the country, but it also, there's a lot of resources, but not a lot of people are available to have these resources. So what she and uh, the, whole, the entire team is trying to do is, you know, uh, just close that the barrier, right? So there's a lot of like the power of soccer could do so much to a city. Mm-hmm. And so she's able to, as a foundation, we're able to, you know, give scholarships. Like we were talking about earlier, soccer is very expensive to play, right, in any yeah. club. Yeah, and so we're able to, you know, give them scholarships. We're able to send kids, boys and girls of all ages to to play in, in or to participate in summer camps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of soccer fields around Austin, but some of them don't have, don't have nets. So getting better than nets on, on, on those fields, um, man, there's so much. And also uh, the mini pitches. So there's... Now we're working on the third one mm-hmm. uh, that it was just announced yesterday that there's one being built on, uh, on Montopolis. Nice. Uh, there's one here not too far, like 10 minutes away. And there's one over there in Dove Springs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's some old tennis courts that aren't being used. So why not? Why not repurpose it? Exactly. Sorry to interrupt. Is that one that you're talking about 10 minutes away? It's on like Runberg and Parkfield around there? It's called Wool. It's Woolridge mean, uh, elementary school. It's right. I think, I believe so. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Because I was driving by uh, a couple of days ago and I saw like kids playing. I was like, man, that actually looks nice. Yeah. And I was like, 
now, now that I know, it's actually a, a bridge that you guys came with. That's good. Yeah. That's and cool. so we worked with U.S. Soccer Foundation and okay. other partnerships to be able to create these fields because obviously they're not cheap. Um, but yeah, it's it's a place now. You have a hubs around Austin, which we are we're, you know we're going to be at three, but like New York has like fifty plus. So it's like, excuse me. It's how can we? You know, our goal is to be able to have. Well, every every neighborhood there should be one right so right. give the kids an opportunity like you said kids are out there playing um but also families to be or communities to be able to get together and play yeah. soccer and just For be sure. able to like have that community feel yeah it's a topic that hits that hits home it hits us hard because that's something that we've talked about a lot on mm-hmm. the podcast off the podcast um you know austin is a soccer city right but giving giving those spaces so that people can come together and play in an environment where right now the sun is setting at five, five thirty. It's tough. You need lights. Yes. You need, you need a pitch. You need somewhere, you need that space. And uh, it's, it's good to hear that for ATX is like taking initiative and doing these things for us. And I hope to see it more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the very first one in Dove Spring, unfortunately doesn't have lights, but you know, it was like the first one, right. Second one, Woolridge has lights. And then the third one, I think, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's working with the partnership that will have like Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like kids who Good. come hang out, you know, if they want to be on Wi-Fi or they want to do their homework, you know, whatever they want to do. Yeah. But it's like it. we want to have these these places where kids could play soccer because we believe that the power of soccer, you know, with soccer, you can do a lot. And so. You know, no kid should be limited. Oh, like, you know, whether it's financially or location, like every kid should be able to play soccer. And the thing is, like, soccer is a street sport. Exactly. I mean, if you look at South America, even Mexico, se juegan fútbol rápido, like, right in front of my grandma's house. They redid the, the you know, it was el, el llano, and they turned it into, like, a similar hub, like the one you have, because... Dude, it's a street sport. And if you really, like, you were talking about this several times, if you want Austin to be a soccer city, it can't just be because we have a team. Yeah, It has to be in a community. That's where it starts. Exactly. That's yeah. where it starts and that grows into something bigger. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, can you talk to us a little about how Verde Leaders falls within that 4ATX foundation? Yeah. And so that's, you know, like, Kaylin and, and the team, they do a lot, right, with 4ATX Foundation. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be able to help in a lot of those projects. But my main focus is the future program of Fortex Foundation, which is Better Leaders. And so um, it's a positive youth development program um, where we help kids develop their skills, mainly low income kids in, in Austin communities. And we help them develop um, their soccer skills, but also their off the pitch uh, skills as well. So we use different practices. We blend soccer with restore practices, with mindfulness, which is these other awesome strategies for them to be able to, you know, yes, develop their soccer skills, but develop themselves as human, right? Which everyone, like we always, we mention how, you know, not every kid unfortunately can make him pro, but every kid is going to go, it's, all our kids are going to be leaders in the community at some point whether they're working for their family, whether they're going to trade school, whether they're, you know, going to four year college, they're going to be the future leaders. So how can we help develop those soft skills and have them have that toolkit for them to be successful in life? What has been the most challenging part 
from when this concept of 480X and and Los Verdes leaders, like when it first started to now, what has been the one thing you would say, man, we struggled with this, you know, like what, what can you, do you recall any moments? Um, well, I think, so Caitlin brought, is the founder of the, of the program. Um, she's the VP of community impact now, but she started the program. I want to say back in 2018, might've been 20 late 2017. I think the fall, maybe. Um, and I joined that summer and I remember those summers where it was like, we would have community days where, you know, we're happy if we had 25 kids out there. Right now, compared to our last community day, which we had two weeks ago, we had, we had to split it. So we had to split sixth grade, which we had like 50 kids come out seven and eighth were together. And that was like another 50. And then we had high school, which is another like 30. So it's, it's, it is tough when you're, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's a blessing to be able to have these many kids and just being able to grow so fast, but also it does make it, it does have its, its, its complications because, you know, with COVID or just, yeah. you know, having to go virtual and then having to shift, it has changed. like, we haven't had like a steady, uh, curriculum. We haven't had a steady, like, you know, this is what we did last year. We can do the exact same. Right. So it has been. You know, it is good that we're growing and not with the platform like Fortex Foundation and Austin FC. We are able to serve more kids, but it's also like going from, you know, having a session with 15 kids to having a session with 50 kids. It has been, you know, it, it we we have work to do because we want to be able to serve all of Austin. So we want to be at, you know, a thousand, two thousand kids. Everywhere you can. Exactly. But it's also like we have to we know that it's important to have we don't want to just throw any coach out there. Right. We want to have quality work and so being able to have an awesome um, director like Jordan Johnson she's been able to you know like she always takes a step back and she's like okay like yes we want to be in 10 schools by next spring but we can stick at six and we can have quality work rather than just you know be at 10 the, the right. madrazo she, Jordan Johnson she man. balances me out yeah a lot. She's, she's an awesome awesome woman dude like I've I really enjoyed getting to know her and and Caitlin and and uh, I kind of I volunteered around 2018 2019 so it wasn't it was it was upper 90 it wasn't as big as it is now but just having that those moments to kind of speak speak with them and getting to to see a little bit of what they're dealing with and how they've helped us grow um, has been pretty inspiring you know just just knowing that uh, that is something that kind of spurred out of a uh, out of their their um, their studies and their in, in uh, at their universities and eventually became a real project, not just a theoretical thing. Yeah, they made it happen here in Austin. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Correct me if I'm, if I'm recalling because I read some of the like article that you sent us, mm -hmm. and one of them was for Los Verdes leaders. Leaders, which person was the one that wrote in? Um, like I would say, uh, I don't know if it was uh, like a school project in the university and saying how. Soccer benefits every single aspect. Yeah. So Caitlin and Jordan met at Harvard. Okay. And so they, that's where they Harvard. start. Yeah. The that's Harvard. The Harvard, <laughs> the Harvard University. Orale. Yeah. And damn so. Damn, Pepe, hold on. Hey, I got I work with them every day and I'm like, man, hey, all that hard work in elementary school is paying out, right? Cam Fighting Cam was the Cam University guy. Yeah. Camels, camels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. And Sonny doesn't have huevo. Yeah, yeah, No, Sonny has my back. I appreciate it. I'll get Sonny and Willie uh, and we'll take them on. But. 
Yeah, so Caitlin is originally from um, from Austin. So she grew up in Austin and she went away for school and she knew, you know, she did her research. I don't like, I don't, that's why it'd be great for yes to have her because she can tell you a little bit more yeah, about yeah. it, but she did her research and that was her project. And she was like, okay, back in Austin, like, you know, kids, you know, a certain amount of ki- uh, percentage of kids don't have that after school, um, like furthering their education. Right. Because we know in school, the education is important, but what they do after school is just as important. Right. Um, and so she did her research and she met with, with Jordan and Jordan was actually at this point, it was, well, her boyfriend, but now they recently got married, but he was here at UT. And so she was like, Hey, like if you're willing to help me out, like, you know, I'm starting, I'm going back to Austin and I'm starting at a, at a pilot school. And so, you know, Jordan joined her as well and they just kicked it off. And like I said, I don't know if it was, and they're going to kill me for this. I don't know if it was fall of 2017 or fall of 20. I think it was fall of 2017. Cause I joined in 2018, but they basically took on one school and they were like, they ran it upper 90 and they, they were grinding. Like Jordan had another full-time job. Mm-hmm. Caitlin was running this and they were, it was them two running this program, uh, EA prep, um, with like 40 kids. That's so crazy. I can't I can't imagine that like it's starting something from scratch. Apenas se puedo con mi vida, forty kids. No, yeah, no. Shout out to Jordan and uh, Caitlin. That's yeah, fine. no. They, and so we still talk about this day. And then I quickly joined. I joined the team um, that following year, and I was able to see it. And I was just like, so I remember having, and it goes back to how I met Sunny. So mm-hmm. after college, um, I. Was, I dealt with a little bit of injuries in college and I was like, okay, like I, you know, still had in my back of my head, like, oh, I want to play professional soccer, but I moved back to Austin, like my degree, not knowing what I wanted to do and, um, degree in sports management. I was like, there's no professional team in Austin. Like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to work in sports and came back and I was doing like, I was still training with Sonny and I was doing like private training, trying to make some money, uh, coaching down at soccer zone and, um, and then, you know, I just like the dream just went further and further. And I was like, okay, like I'm done with this. And my dad also mm-hmm. told me, he's like, Hey, yeah. you need a full-time job. Like, you know, like <laughs> you, need you to pivot. Yeah. You need to pivot. Like you, way, like, yeah. like they always supported me till from day one to the last conversation I had with my dad, but they were like, Hey, like, it, I think it's time to move on. Right. And so for the next like four or six months, you know, I worked at a law firm and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I was like done with soccer. I was like, you know what? Like, done like i just didn't want to, i didn't want to watch soccer what uh, what were you doing the law firm what was your position i was a legal assistant but i was in the program to be a paralegal stop and so i was thinking about like going to texas day and like getting like becoming a paralegal and I was you could like, have done the ut accelerator program because my wife did that in six months I, yeah i mean i'm glad i didn't do it because you know like <laughs> yeah, it is it's, it it's tough work so. for me yeah, but yeah. like i said my dad was like he pushed me in a corner he was like hey like you figure out whatever you want to do right or like yeah. what do you want to do and so that, yeah, they were looking to, I was looking to go through a paralegal and I was like, man, like, is this it? Oh, Pepe, ¿quieres la última? Oh, yeah. Como invitado. Yo, yo look gracias, gracias. I'm not picky. The pop squad. No, I like this can. <laughs> and so, um, I was just done. I hadn't been playing soccer for a while. And then, um, I, I finally reached out to Sonny and I'm like, all right, Sonny, like, I miss playing like, you know, are there any opportunities or anything that you could think of that I can do? Mm-hmm. And he was like, at this point he was running, it was a, 
like every first Saturday or Sunday of the month, he was going down to Buda at a church and was like kids with disabilities would do like a soccer practice basically. And so, um, he wasn't able to make it that, that, that weekend. And so I told him, I was like, I'll cover for you. And Caitlin actually, and I didn't know Caitlin at this point, Caitlin had the equipment. So I met Caitlin at the parking lot at the mall, the Barton, uh, Barton Creek. Creek. Yeah. 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 I met her there and I was like, um, Hey Caitlin, nice to meet you. Like, I'm just here for the equipment. I'm, you know, I was going to use it the next day, not knowing who she was, not knowing what she was doing, anything. Um, went out to that, to that church down in Buda. And again, it like sparked up like my love for soccer, right? You have kids. All I had to do was like set ladders, speed ladders, have a few soccer balls. They all, it was like 10 kids. They all came with their physical therapist and just saw how these kids had a smile on their face playing soccer, like kicking the ball and the goals. And just like, it just felt good. And I was like, from there, I was like, man, like, okay, I want to get involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, again, going back to like, you know, like what my purpose is or what I think that I, I should be doing. And so as soon as I finished that, I was like, Hey, Sonny, like, is there anything else like that? You know, of like, cause this was like once a month and I was like, Sonny, is there anything else that I can do? Is there anything else that you've heard of or, or anything you have going on? And he's like, oh, I'm going to, that lady that you met at the parking lot, she just started a nonprofit in East Austin and might need help. And so I'm like, okay, like connect me with her or whatever. Connected with her got on the phone with her two hour conversation easily. Like, we're just like, this is what her goals were. And I was listening and I was like, this is what I see. This is because, you know, like, even though I came, I missed out of being in Austin for four years. Like I knew my experience and I knew what Austin kind of dealt with, at least like in the East Austin. And, you know, a lot of, when I, like I said, I played for Lone Star. So I would go out to West Austin or North Austin and I would go to practice and I'm like the only Mexican kid. Right. And it's like, how, like you know something something is going on and so really believed in her her vision and her values and everything that she had going on and so that that summer I actually interned for them first and then head coach and then luckily enough where I am now as a program coordinator that's a beautiful story man Damn, the, dude the, the, the I, I didn't so, so many of them were told us about like what you know what you covering him for that weekend and then he was, you know, training kids with disabilities to play soccer. Yeah, man. He, no, the many facets yes. of Sonny. Something about that. Sonny's like El Callado, pero... Hey, man, he's, he got, he, he, no, he's I, like the, the soccer patron of Austin. And like, the he, should, he shouldn't be on a candle, bro. Like. <laughs> he should be. I told him, we call him the living legend. And he was like, nah, I'm just living. Yeah. He's, and that's one thing. I, so, Kaylin and Sonny, like, like I said, for the first game, um, I was able to go. Me and Kaylin went up to the... To the Palco, the where he was doing the commentary. That's right. Yeah, we took a picture and we're like, man, like we just looked around. It's like this has like full circle of, you know, and and those are people that again appreciate what they did for me, um, both professionally, but still like I could call up Sunny right now, cut up Caitlin, and they're just there for me, right? And so Sunny's, I mean, Sunny is just full of stories, and he very humble guy. They're both very very humble, and. Um, yeah, just great humans in general. Like even, I mean, Caitlin's a badass on the soccer field. Sonny, we obviously know what he does on the soccer field, but as humans, they're just, you know, they're just the that much better. Yeah, we they actually go, we, we just had lunch with Sonny this past uh, Friday. Yeah. So by the time this episode released, probably gonna be sometime either before or after Thanksgiving. But I stayed in yeah. Sonny's. So 
Yeah, I mean, I stayed in Sunny's apartment in Cancun, and he, you know, he was able to send me out of Mexico and just like what he was playing, and he's just like I said, what he's done for the soccer community has been awesome. So, and and it's like he's going like, and we were talking about that earlier. How when you make it, you go back and you, you know, you support people, and what he's doing is it's awesome, you know. I mean, just that simple call, that simple meeting up at the parking lot with uh, Caitlin. Yeah. How that sparked what, it, what's going on right now. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I believe God, God puts us in a place a lot of times where it's, it's at the, you know, the right place at the right time. And, pero si tú tienes las ganas, he's going to show up and, yeah. and it's all about you following up and you following up with, with that. Like, it wasn't just like, yeah, well, we'll stay in touch. Like, no, let's okay. You know, I want to do this. That brought passion back of, you know, soccer for you and your purpose yeah. and how it turned out to be something now you're creating with Kaylin and Jordan and how you're impacting Austin because it's not a trend. Soccer is not a trend. Soccer is a life. Soccer is, you know, something that we live, we breathe, we play, you know, we cry when our teams lose or, we, you know, we, we, we are joyful when our teams win and, how you're bringing that to them in front of them, creating all these hubs. A lot of the times, you know, like we take that for granted because we focus on like Austin FC has a team. Now everything's about the players. No, yes. The the players are there. The team is there, but everything behind it, all the work to get there, you're part of that. And how you were saying how you take that picture with Sony when he just went, you know, while he was broadcasting, and it came back to circles. It's like, dude, it's just hustle, man. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I, I had no idea that that, that, that Sunday was that connect between you and Caitlin. That's that, that's a wonderful story. Um, and it also gets me thinking of, of, of the soccer community in Austin. It's, it's so powerful. And um, the way I found out about Verde Leaders is uh, from a social media post of one of my, uh, from my wife's coworker at the time. She posted this like, practice that they were doing in this yeah. upper 90 activity and i'm like i re- i reached out to her and said hey becca what's going on like what is this oh she told me about what upper 90 does for the community and i was like dude that sounds awesome i'd love to be a part of that and easily like in, in within a week you know i did the paperwork i was there i was volunteering didn't know what to expect um and it totally blew my mind you do like i at the time uh, it kind of goes back to what you said. The kids learn a lot from you, but what you get out of it, what you learn from the kids is equally or even greater. Yeah. Because at the time I was going through a very difficult difficult uh, career path, difficult project at the time. So um, a lot of times I'd go home grumpy, uh, kind of mad, kind of like, you know, taking it out on the people we love, you know, just because we're having a bad time at work or in life. And uh, I needed some some type of different outlet, uh, some type of, and, and Upper 90 at the time was the perfect uh, opportunity to be part of something greater than me and uh, teach me that, it just kind of take me back. Like yeah. you said, you really related to those kids having a similar background. I felt the same way. Um, and just seeing soccer from a different perspective, I'd never seen an organization or never been part of something that it it, it, it wasn't soccer. It was, it was greater than that. It was, it was like life skills. Um, and some of the things, correct me if I'm wrong, some of the core values, like, you know, inclusion, authenticity, 
believe mindfulness, those things are some things that I didn't grow up talking about. And just having that, all right, we're going to play soccer, but hold up. We're going to wait for like 10 minutes and just, you know, sit around in a circle and everyone's going to have an opportunity to speak about what's on their mind, what they're going through. And these, these values we want to instill in everyone. Um, To me, that was kind of mind blowing and important and uh, just a special thing. Um, And, and seeing how, you you were a part of that. Seeing how Caitlin was a part of that, it's not just leading it from the top, you know, coming down to these circles and and speaking from a perspective of, I'm here and I'm talking to you as a human being to a, a 15, 14 year old kid. Yeah, that that is like uh, that is worth so much, and I think uh, that's that's a big that's the biggest reason that the kids really respect y'all and look up to y'all, and um, you know try to. Um, gain some of those skills, the soft skills that you spoke about. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even for myself, like it took me, you know, till after I graduated from Campbell that I was like, okay, like a lot of my friends that I play soccer with, like are still my friends. You know, I feel comfortable talking around other people because soccer, like I've just been able to communicate whether it's, you know, like before a game, after a game, during a game, you know, I, I, like there's just so many skills that soccer gave me and so much that soccer, like the power of soccer is just like huge. And I I didn't think about it like that until I met Caitlin and Jordan there. And then I started thinking, and I started like, I remember having like a moment to myself and I was like, man, like soccer has done all of this for me, but we don't really like talk about it like that. Yeah. And another thing, like just thinking about like, you were talking about team circle. So sitting, we, so in the middle of the practice, we sit down and we have starts are very basic. So week one, week two, you know, let's say I'm facilitating. I have the talking piece soccer ball. And, I, and the first question is like, what's your name? And what's your favorite, who's your favorite soccer team? What's your favorite player? You know, stuff like that. So it gets people talking. Um, but then by like week five, week six, you're like saying, Oh, like, you know, who's someone, dead or alive that you miss and why you know like so it gets a little bit deeper and you start talking about different values like you mentioned that kids don't really get to talk to talk about you think about some of and even for me as like growing up like i would wake up my dad's already at work my mom might be at work as well i go to school one teacher might talk to me like ask me how i'm doing if that they're usually asking hey what you know you know they're asking me something about school related I go to lunch, the lunch lady, what do you want to eat? I go to any class, whatever it is. No one's asking me how I'm doing. I get home. My dad's still not home. My mom is maybe, you know, making food, you know, taking care of my sister, whatever it is. So I went a whole day without someone asking me, hey, how are you doing? Hey, what, you know, what's going on in your life? How do you feel or whatever it is? And so giving these kids an opportunity to talk to them and again, not only talk, but also being able to listen. And that's also, so Team Circle, at first, it was hard for me because it was like, okay, when you're on the field, it's competitive, right? Like I grew up in competitive field, competitive environment. So there's no time for that. It's kind of counterintuitive to the competition. Exactly. Right. But again, then I, I spent four four years with some of my teammates and I don't know anything about them. I don't know. You haven't got to those deep combos. I haven't. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I have, I don't know who... This guy I'm sharing, I'm playing forward with, I don't know who his favorite player is. I don't know who his favorite team is because we're get on the field in this business, which I understand like, you know, then the coach has his job. And so we all have our roles that we have to play. 
but like it shouldn't it doesn't have to be that way and so now that i think about it it's like being able to learn like what's important for us is every kid like you know for every kid for them to be able to learn more about their teammates and for us to have these conversations and to have an open space and you get your opportunity to talk and then you also learn how to listen which is really important and just to add on that something the foundation is doing Jordan's doing a lot of work with it. Kaylin's also involved. We're doing this. We're doing Team Circle now with the Academy, with Austin FC Academy. Mm-hmm. So you're getting 12, 13, 14-year-olds doing... And these are kids. Obviously, it's a different so, uh, level of soccer. Mm-hmm. But what Verde Leaders is doing as far as Team Circle and mindfulness, now the highest... Translating up to the highest exactly. level. Exactly. And I was able to... I was part of the last year... Um, when we're able to do that for the first for the first time around and these kids i mean they're kids at the end of the day they're kids and they, even though their soccer level is up here they're still kids and they still deal with a lot and they were like those team circles like are deep and they're like these kids like every kid you know was open to the experience and it was great for the Austin FC Academy coaches and Tyson and all of these high-end people to think about it because they they understand that yeah ideally all those kids would go pro but not all of them will but at the end of the day they're all going to be leaders of the community and they're all going to be humans and we want to instill that as a culture and austin fc Fortex foundation all of that the umbrella and so it's awesome to be able to see it with with the with the academy as well that's awesome dude correct me if i'm wrong i i remember learning that that community circle kind of sense from some indigenous practices that I think uh, maybe, maybe Jordan kind of brought to the table. Yeah. So Jordan, obviously she is great at, you know, her, her, her work. And she was able to, when I first joined, uh, when I was up upper 90, when I first joined her, it was, she, br- I brought more of the soccer aspect and she brought more of the, the team circle and the resort practices. So I learned a lot from her and still to this day, I'm learning a lot from her, but yeah, it comes from, there's a lot of history to it and, and there's, there's a lot of just research and it's, it's very hard to explain because it, it, and it's a lot to explain, but basically the research has been done that rather than, Hey, you did this crime or, you you know, in the school, you did this, let me suspend you. No, let's have a conversation. I'll let you share what, what your view was. Let's, let's talk about this and let's come with the solution rather than, Y'all are both suspended. Now these kids are suspended. They can get in any trouble. You know, there's no one at home. Like it just, it, it it's like a, it could just lead to, to further damage. And so we believe that having the space and, you know, we've had issues in schools or, you know, you have these, these conflicts, but it's like, let's talk about it. Let's get to the root of this. Right. You know, let's, let's, let's figure out what, what the root of, of the issue is and let's have a conversation um, rather than just punish, punish, punish. Have you felt like in the kids that you work with, you've seen a difference from the beginning when they come into the program and now how, how they interact and when they talk? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things, and you mentioned mindfulness. So mindfulness is basically different exercises that help you control your emotions. Mm-hmm. And it all comes with like breathing exercises. So my Ronaldo being my favorite player, I always tell kids. So, what does Ronaldo do before a free kick or before a penalty kick? 
what it like like that's just him controlling yeah. right it's controlling his body and and controlling his his mind and so i have noticed i mean even i use it but kids who you know when we first got them they were you know they would spark like some some guy like accidentally fouled him oh like ready to fight right like oh like you know i'm pissed yeah and 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 it go, sometimes it leads from you know they failed the test so now they're mad at each other they're coming to practice and they take it out on someone else yeah but instead of thinking about that way, now it's like, all right, so we do mindfulness at every practice. Now let's take a second, you know, control your emotions. And if you're still upset, let's have the conversation. But rather, and I think it, it's important on kids, but also like on us, right? Sometimes we react and we get mad and it's like, then we regret it and we're like, oh man, I should have reacted that way. But taking a second to control your body, control your emotion, control your breathing Usually, for the most part, has a positive. Dude, and I could definitely share that with a lot of our, a lot of our friends. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's uh, not because the reason I was asking that is because, um, like the part of, part of breathing, the part of taking a second to calm down and not say something stupid. Like I have a hard time with that. Uh, my wife can attest, and it's like you're right. Like Richie needs to go there and you know get <laughs> get, get you know like. Uh, learn more about that breathing part, but it's, it's dude. I mean, sometimes man, like just having that second, five seconds to, like you said, mindfulness to, you know, like when you're young to, to think about that and, and realize how important that is, because when you get older, you're going to be facing with real world, world scenarios. You're going to be facing with a lot of times you're not going to have enough you know, money to pay for, for the bill or something happened um, that was out of your control. And instead of relying on, on, you know, like say, for example, we drink, we already know like, Hey, at the end of the day, we're going to be responsible tomorrow. And after a couple of years, maybe five, maybe six, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but the one thing is it's so crucial how the mindfulness part is important as, as men, especially yeah. because, if you look at it, you know, going back to machismo, going back to us as, you know, Hispanics and Mexicans, we didn't grow up with that. You know, we didn't grow up with taking care of our, okay, breathe and calm down. And maybe other other places they have done it and they've seen the results and how important it is to be, you know, in a, in a place like say when you feel like you're, you know, you're having a really bad day, you can communicate with people like, hey, you know what, just give me a good 30 minutes to go take a nap or go lay down and, and, and relax. So I can take that away from it because there was something about, um, like in business there, I can't remember if it was a study or if it was an actual documentary that I, I listened to, but they were saying how like during the 2008, um, the recession that we had, how a lot of, you know, people were reacting and they were saying one thing that we really didn't think about is just whenever there's something wrong in, in work, at work, like let's say, for example, you did a, a transaction like in, in accounting, you you enter something incorrectly instead of making it 5000 you made it 500000 by mistake. Yeah. How, I mean, that's that's bad. And you post it on an account and it shows in the report and you're like, hey, why are the sales that high? But then you go back like, oh, man, that's actually only 5000 Yeah. But- in that mindset of, you know, you realize you did something wrong. They say it takes about 30 minutes to fade away from that and get your mind right. And, and 
they were teaching people how to, you know, like breathing exercises to, hey, when you're posting a transaction that's wrong, okay, take your time, get out of that computer, breathe, and then come back and work. And how that made a huge difference on the accounting world. Because now, like, even in the tech industry, you see people... They have hubs where they go take naps and, and they, yeah. they can sit back and relax because they've understood how important that is to not be like oppressing people and, and bringing people, you know, like giving people crap for doing something wrong. And in a household, we have that part where we didn't grow up with that. And we have to learn how to appreciate that fact of mindfulness is, is the key to not doing something crazy. Yeah, I mean, as you get older with a teenager, that you know that it's growing up with friends that don't have the same the same mindset as you have. How that mindfulness part can be huge and detrimental for your future. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then another, I remember a few months ago, this was going back to Chicharito yeah. with you know him knowing like being vulnerable and everything. I remember him on an interview saying like, they asked him like, oh, all right, so what's your like. You know, you've changed, like, obviously your mindset, you changed this and that. And one of the things he mentioned was mindfulness. And he's like, I am doing mindfulness. I'm doing meditation. I'm like, I, I understand the power of the brain. And for me to be able to control all of this and, it, and exactly like I'm sure his parents didn't teach him. He had to learn it. And he learned it. you know, now him being early 30s. But if we could put in the young generation like, hey, you know, like this goes wrong or this happens, like, you know, take. 30 minutes, take 10 minutes, take 30 seconds, take a deep breath. And then let's, let's see what you, what can actually, what we can actually do. And so that's, that's something that I, like I said, I've learned from, from uh, this program and something that, you know, driving down I-35 when someone cuts me off, Hey, you got to get it. I take a second. Yeah, (laughs) no, for sure. Looking at the uh, 4ATX foundation mission, you know, using power, the power of soccer to help communities thrive physically, socially, and emotionally. Definitely all those practices fall into place and with better the leaders trying to create the next generation of leaders in soccer and through positive youth development, like you guys are, are doing a great job at that. And I wish you and the organization continue success. And I think I can speak for Richie and I and David, like if, if, if there's ever a way that we can, uh, we can help out, whether it's like volunteering or give us some time or some, just a, even some shout outs, we we're happy to do that, man. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, whenever you guys want to come on the field and just, yeah, that euros are always welcome. And yeah, whether it's better leaders it. or there's, there's always a lot of opportunities. And so, yeah. you know, whenever I feel I'm like sure. you guys are having more and more events now. Yeah. yeah more and more awesome. events and we want to continue to grow and, that's awesome. you know, being on year four now, um, hopefully, you know, sky's the limit. So hopefully continue to, to be big part of this community. Cool, man. With everything like is you have going on, what do you do to remain sane? Hey, that's that's a great question. Um, no, and and that's some a different conversations I've had with with my parents or my girlfriend. Like sometimes, you know, like a practice is tough, and I go home, you know, to my girlfriend, which she's let's say she's had an amazing day, and I'm just so it's like I I, I told her. I was like, hey, sometimes I do have to take a minute just to be able yeah. to like I had a tough practice, you know, you know, something didn't go well. And so being able to I think she's I think she understands now, like, hey, like sometimes it's just taking a minute. Uh, sometimes a lot of the times it's just 
I grab my dog Ross and we just go walk around a little bit and I come back and it's like, okay, like, you know, like I'm ready to talk about it or I'm ready to, you know, just like be able to like be at ease. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's what I do the most. Um, just walks with, with my dog or workout or just being able to, cause it is it, like, we just finished our 10 week season and we tell all the coaches like, Hey, you've put in a lot of work t- all 10 weeks. And even before, cause we do trainings and everything. Mm-hmm. So now enjoy these next few weeks off. You know, some of them are students. Some of them have full-time jobs. Some of them, you know, have part-time jobs, but it's like, take the time like to appreciate all the work that you did for these kids. And, you know, whether it's physically or, or emotionally or, Take take the break off, enjoy the, the the holidays, and then so in February when we come again, like let's go ahead and, and come back stronger and do it again. That's awesome, man. So is every ten weeks that you guys do a season? So we do. So it's so we have during the school year we go from August to November. Okay. It's ten weeks, and then in the spring we go from late February to like May. We used to do like 12, 13 hour weeks, but. Sometimes it would get with uh, it would be a conflict with their with their high school team or their middle school team or daylight saving sometimes would kill us too. So we shorten it up a little bit, um, but we also do programming like during the winter break. We'll probably do like we call it retas. It's like you were saying earlier, like you know, in in, in the streets you just play soccer and you yeah. play retas. So it's, we do casual community pickup. Um, during the, the breaks and then in the summer, we also usually have some type of programming. So we try to be there just year round That's for, good, the, for the kids. Yeah. Cause a lot of times I feel like there's programs that are in between like in school year, but during the summer, yeah, there's nothing. And that's where, you know, soccer is like a year round thing. Yeah. Yeah. It has a lifetime. It has a whole cycle that you want to keep it going, but there's all these things that you got to deal with. So before we get into discussion and debate topics, I really wanted to give us a oh, chance. Oh man, to we're gonna get take take it's going so good. It's going so good. Take a time out, you know, like kind of let that resonate. You know, have have a, have that good feelings because we're about to get back and get in the hot seat. All right. Discussion and debate topics, gentlemen. All right, we've gotten to the meat, the meat and potatoes of the conversation. Uh, now that we all got a little Please. bit fond of each other. We got we, we we got loving. We, we we felt that vibe. Now we can have that tough love between each other. All right, so we're gonna go into riv- rivalidades. Mm-hmm. All right, I feel that rivalidades are important in life and in sports because they push you. They push you to be great. They push you to um, go further than you would have ever gone. So we spoke about uh, one a little bit earlier. America Chivas. We have uh, a couple of affiliations here. I'm a Chivas fan. Pepe grew up. Chivas fan after the Paleta, man. Yeah, yeah after that. Richie <laughs> grew up an Americanista. Well. <laughs> and we, we, we ha- we've had some epic battles right now. The state of affairs for Chivas is not the greatest, but um, America is doing well. They're doing their, they're doing their thing. And I hope, I hope to have uh, the, the rivalidades of the olden days when they were both kind of battling for the top. But... Um, it's not what we're experiencing nowadays. I, w- I want to know your thoughts on the, the current state of affairs on that. I know you guys are pretty, not as, not as invested, but just wanted to hear what you guys thought. Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I think those times where it was Cuauhtémoc and, you know, you had um, Omar Bravo and you had Ramoncito, like, I think that whole, I don't know if it was five, seven, eight years. Um, I definitely miss those times. I think that, 
now I, I just think the whole federation has has struggled a little bit with um you know los extranjeros and yeah. i think that has been you know the hot debate with chivas should they have foreigners should they not um and i think that's affected them a little bit and i and personally um i think that has drawn me away a little bit from 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 the league and also from this and i think now you see like teams like you know Tigres and America playing these big games or you have Rayados as well playing these big games because they are able to have these big time stars. Um, and I think, you know, nothing against Chivas, but I think they their management, um, even before Vergara was there, I think they, well, when Vergara was there, um, I think he struggled a little bit with the financially and then also wanting his team to perform well. Mm -hmm. um, and so... As a, you know, I'm still, I'm still Chivista, um, but I do see, I don't, I love the times where they would go to the Fuerzas Basicas and then they would, you know, you had like, whether it's a few starters or their bench was Fuerzas Basicas and they were actually developing players, um, which again, it goes back to the extranjeros. Like, you know, you could have the best 18 year old Mexican who plays for Chivas or, or, or plays for, you know, La Selección or whatever, the U20. But he's on, he's playing behind Gignac or uh, El Dientes. Like you know, it's it's hard for the coach to be able to trust an eighteen year old Mexican over a a thirty year old French national team, you know, Euro um, champion. So I think it's struggled. I think that whole structure has struggled. And even you were mentioning the 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 ascenso the ascenso is gone, and now you have like the the Liga that it's more than eight teams and they play a play. A, I just think that. They've gone not to get too political, but I think they the money has influenced a little bit in in the Mexican league, and so um, yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah, I I think that's I'm in I'm in a similar you know state of mind regarding Chivas, dude. Um, it's a lot of the times whenever they offer a player to Chivas, the price for them to buy it is like Surges, crazy, Surges, crazy, like Austin House Market. Right, right. And <laughs> and a lot of it is it makes the players sometimes feel like aburguesados, you know? Yeah. Um I really don't know what, what what they do when it comes to the academy wise, but donde quieres andar campeonatos is with the academy, with your team, with your I mean you and America has had that where when they can bring the best players they can buy, but they don't have the passion like the guys from Buenos Fasicas. Yeah. And Chivas it needs to capitalize on the talent in Mexico, especially since they they can only be limited to getting players from Mexico or now that they're born in America, you know, dual citizenship, they can play there. But not until like they change anything where they can get extranjeros, they they literally have to cap capitalize on every single aspect and build their own foundation. Um, and for me, it's I want to see Chivas in America going at it like back in the days with new generations because there's potential in Mexico. Yeah. But you just got to, you know, there's so much bureaucracy in there that draws people away from it too. Like what happened going to El Descenso and, and everything else that, you know, what's going on. We we see the, the, the Mexican players doing very good, you know, in the U15, 16, 17, 20. But once they get to la, like La Mayor, not a lot of them make it. That's the lost generations. 
Yeah, well, and then it goes back to, you know, like you have those generations from, you know, from the U17 who won it. Was it back? It was back to back, right? In uh, 2005 and 11. Yeah. And so, but then they go back to their clubs and they're, you know, they are 17, 18 years of age and they're competing against an external hitter. Mm -hmm. And so, a coach, you know, like, I mean, I've never been a coach like that, but it's like, I'm going to play the more experienced foreigner over him. And it affects it because I don't, I remember reading an article where Germany, after they, after one of the World Cups, I forgot, they struggled and they were like, as a national team and as a uh, federation, like they were like, hey, like we're looking, we're planning for the next four or five, like whatever years. And so, they gave those opportunities to all these international players that are playing at the top level now when they were 16, 17, 18 years of age because they knew that they had the bigger mission. But Mexico, again, they always just kind of struggle a little bit and, are, and they, they, it holds the development of the player. It's really hard. I think uh, certain organizations, certain countries are a little bit better in the collective thinking about success as a whole. And not as of uh, an individual or organizational thing. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking clubs. They're thinking national level. Um, and I think uh, it's something that is not only in sports. It can get translated into different things. For example, the pandemic, the way we've dealt with the COVID. Um, uh, it's, it, that's kind of going out of pocket. But w- what I'm trying to get at is like perhaps some of these decisions that have been made in the Mexican Federation have been what well, we know they've been driven by, by interests, by money. And unfortunately that doesn't help um, the new generations of soccer succeed. And it kind of puts them in a difficult position where you may have achieved success. And you said in the, in the younger uh, stages of national competition, but once you hit that cap where you're in las mayores, mm-hmm. no vas a jugar minutos, no vas a, no vas a ser titular. Um, I also think that the, the Mexican league has a lot of money and um, in a way it makes it really comfortable for players to stay rather than choosing to have a, a more difficult time elsewhere in an extranjero yeah. competing day in and day out in these difficult leagues and German leagues and Spanish leagues and in English leagues. And um, it, it, it makes it difficult for, for uh, the nation to transcend and kind of move further. And we're starting to see that. We're starting to see those impacts in, in national soccer, I think. There's one thing that um, I was looking at. Like, let's say there's a lot of players in the U.S. that they went straight to Europe and they, you know, they went through the process of going in through the academy and, and debuting. But oh, they have the money yeah. to, to go there and travel. You know, they come back home and, they can go to, you know, back to college and get a good, good, uh, good job with their career. But in Mexico, is, it's uh, that that's not our mindset. Our mindset is like, nos quedamos aquí y a ver cómo nos, cómo nos va. Yeah, and that, I was just on the phone with one of my friends. Um, that he was giving me crap about the dos acero and yeah. US. of course, and so of course, I can't wait to get into that. Yeah, no, I can't no. wait to get into that. And <laughs> this is me. This is the me being just salty and whatever. But it's a great point. Like, USA is looking great right now. 
But how many of those players are actually, and I hate using this excuse now because it's always been the same, but now we're noticing because they're better. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those players are, aren't born in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, one of their parents was born in California, New York. Yeah. And so they, they have a, a bigger pool of players to get, mm-hmm. which it's not their fault. They're, t- you know, they're using it the right way, but yeah, you're not going to have, it's very rare for us to be able to be like, Oh, um, you know, when Mexicano that was, that is now playing in Europe that he grew up in this Academy up in one of the, whether it's the English or the German mm-hmm. league or whatever, and they can choose Mexico to play. Right. Mm-hmm. And America, some, some, some of these national team players from USA, like they, they are like at a young age, they go over there and they, you know, they they stay, they, they become, they're becoming these pros and then they can choose USA as their national team. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but I think, and I think they do, they are, that's why right now they're just kind of taking off. I think, I think we should jump into it, man. I think we should jump straight into it. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about this ever since I saw the game Friday. We were actually camping mm-hmm. uh, at Lake Whitney and, um, uh, like I was with uh, David Chaparro and, and his lady Hannah and uh, Ryan and my my wife Madison. So we were just like camping bonfire, and they're thinking we're just gonna do s'mores and stuff. And I'm like, hey, I got my iPad. I'm about to put this game on, and our ladies were like, what the hell? Can't <laughs> like nah. This is like a, a qualifying yeah. It's like game that matters. Like this is, we have to watch this. So we watched it. Uh, much to our disappointment, uh, David actually was pulling for Mexico too, as well, and. Um, uh, just looking at that game, man, looking at that game uh, and, and seeing all the drama behind it, I started looking at some of the, the comentarios que, que salieron de, de Memochoa, mm-hmm. and it made me think, like, one of the things he said is, uh, Mexico es el espejo en el que Estados Unidos quiere verse. Mm-hmm. When you make those types of declarations before the game, you're setting yourself up. You not only give the other team motivation to come out and, like, mm-hmm. play harder, uh, but it just sets you up in a bad, in a bad spot. And the game, you know, Mexico ended up yeah. losing two zero, um, to which, uh, Bullisich scored, yeah. um, I believe the first goal and he took the shirt off and it was like man in the mirror. Yeah. And they were booing Ochoa the whole time because yeah. he came out with those, those, those comments. And then, you know, Burhalter came out and said, Hey, like they need to put a little bit more respect. Like they'll get our respect after the next, uh, after the next match. And it's like, yeah, it just, I think it made it. Hey, as an Americanista, I don't know how you feel. Uh, no, about it, I, I think I think Ochoa. A lot of the times, he he wants to say things that okay, you want realism, I'll give you realism. Yeah. Like Mexico, they they want to be this realistas. Oh, vamos a realistas. Y aquí está la sopa. Y aquí es donde comemos las carnitas. <laughs> Pero whenever it comes up to like, okay, how can we take whatever? Like, say for example, the U.S. I'm pretty sure in the next couple of years, they're going to surpass us. I mean, it's already, you yeah. know, I, I can see it. Pero es porque México se ha dejado. Yeah. And, and what Ochoa is saying, like, we are becoming the, you know, little by little, we stopped looking at South America a long time ago. And we saw more of what the U.S. is doing with soccer. And we want to mirror that. And Ochoa is the one that puts it out like, hey, we're ourselves, we're the ones that are like, are putting ourselves, we're, we're like, even after um, a game against, 
I can't remember it was Chile when they lost 7-0. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he said, Copa La Copa America, he said, en realidad, somos una elección que no ha ganado nada. Like, we have not won anything besides Confederaciones and two U-17s and, uh, and, and Oro en los Olímpicos. But we don't ever come out of that conversation when we talk about Mexican soccer for, for the national team or, or the, you know, the youth teams. We just go back to those four or five titles that we won. We never go back beyond, okay, well, this is what we're going to do now. We take for granted the Copa de Oro, thinking we're going to win it, and we don't win it because the U.S. is, you know, keep rising up. So I think when Memo was saying, like, no, we're actually becoming – Instead of we're, we're, we're we have taken the focus away from soccer for so long, yeah. and it's more about business. And a lot of the players in in, in Mexico they're so comfortable. I mean, you can you can even see it after they lose. I, I for me is I'm budgeting we're gonna lose to the U.S. and Canada away. That's gonna be a given. Now, if they lose to the U.S. and Canada at home. That's when the worry comes. Yeah. So that was my next point is and because a lot of friends, obviously, they were like they because I like I'm shit. very passionate when yeah. it comes. Pip is a so, very passionate guy. I'm very passionate. So, <laughs> you know, I don't like doing it. I had to actually back away from, you know, social media. I would get into it once in a yeah. while, like here and there. But for the last like, <laughs> you know, two like year or two, I'm like, OK, I'm not going to get like when I have conversations with friends. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. And I'll. Uh, I'll give you my peace of mind, but a lot of, so a lot of people were like, Hey, like, you know, like, you know, those I said, all this and that. And I was like, I, I don't think, I think, like you said, I think Mexico is at a point where like when we're playing away, like USA, them playing home, they should beat us. Mm-hmm. Not, not saying like they should be, but it's like, they should bring the game to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you see, I know it's kind of apples and oranges, but when you see like a team like in the NBA, when you play seven games, the home team has to like that's like you got to show up. You have to show up. Yeah, the the you have to show up. Yeah, sometimes the visiting team gets lucky and gets like outplays you, mm-hmm. but I think we're at a point where USA should expect to win when they play in American soil. Mm-hmm. Canada, I still feel like that 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 loss just it was just tough the conditions and everything yeah i still think mexico should beat canada but i do think usa should folk like now i'm happy with mexico winning in u and against usa in el azteca Mm -hmm. and if usa if we can get a point out of american soil Mm -hmm. when we're playing usa here i'm fine with that it's no longer we should get all six points Mm -hmm. I think that three points, us home, and and you know getting up an empate is fine. But you know if you lose, okay. But I do think that you know they they are catching up and they are like they're they're playing. I think you know playing with the ball tactically. Mm-hmm. I think Mexicans are still the Mexican players better, are still yeah. better. But you can't deny that their athleticism, the physical part, that's the one that's the key. And that's I think key. this last game mentally. Oh yeah. Their mentality was peak. I think sure. they they wanted it, and they and Mexico came out flat. And their mm-hmm. Mexico was yeah. just like, I just want to get out of this cold. And what was funny and not funny is that they wanted to get out of the cold, but they went to Canada, which was freezing. Worse. And they're like, yeah, no, well, like now they're like, all right, we lost. Now we have to play up a little bit. But once that first goal came, it was like back yeah. to their old ways. Yeah. And it was- but oh, no, nah, it's just um, I'm always gonna be a fan of you know what? It's up to you. At the end of the day, it's up to you. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, whenever you do, it, like Mexico, it's up to Mexico. Like 
It's up to the federation. It's up to who's in charge. I do think Tata Martino should deviate from banning players because there's already four or five that are banned. And then next time we do a little misstep for not going, you know, pero también los jugadores mexicanos, you have to take responsibility for their actions too. Um, I just feel like Mexico, talent-wise, we're always going to be there. But right here, that's when... That's yeah. when we're all, we're still super, 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 super screwed. Yeah. Like, and that goes from, from, from the team that goes from the players, from the coaches, from the media, from the fan itself, because right now, okay, we lost two games. We're still third place. And that's what people don't that get. Like, people are like, people are acting like we're like in we're, yeah. eighth place. <laughs> yeah. Like if we were last place. Okay, fine. You know what? But for me, it's like I was budgeting two losses in these qualifiers, yeah. the U.S. here and Canada in Canada because it's going to, I mean, playing in snow, well, you've never really played in snow, yeah. hombre. And, they, they're, and they're, used to, they're used to playing in snow. So, but now it's like, okay, Mexico, like you already had your, you know, your, your, your sad moments. Now it's up to you to come back from that. Yeah. And they're going to come back from it. I mean... But now it's up to them. Like, tampoco que no caigan como lo que pasó en el 2013 and 2009, que apenas la hicieron. Now, they need to come out where, okay, don't get too comfortable because you're going to get in the situation where you're going to go to Respechaje and wait for U.S. to win so you can go to the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps this is the time for self-reflection. And and there's actually a couple of things I wanted to share with you guys. Like, today I, I, I found this post. And I usually don't share posts like this where it's like on Facebook or on Instagram with like a few bullet points, but this one really caught my attention and it was about uncomfortable truths we all need to accept. And I think that Mexico needs to accept some of these truths and just this can apply to anyone. And one of them is uh, you have to be able to admit when you're being the toxic one, blame is great for your ego. Responsibility is great for your failure. So that's one thing that Mexico can look at this like, all right, we got to take responsibility for this failure, but it doesn't have to define you because what I think is to this next point, a most important realization in life is that you're already enough. The realization won't make you lose your ambition. It'll help you pursue the right things for the right reasons. So Mexico yeah. in a way has to really yeah. find their voice again, who they are again, because we're not in last place. We're, we're not going to be out of the World Cup, but you have to kind of find who, who you are again, like after two resounding losses and after losing to, to USA three times in a, in a year. In a year, yeah. yeah. But I mean, after that, before that, we won how many games in a row? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just the, it's the balance. I mean, I feel like Mexico needed these losses exactly, so they can bounce back. Yeah. And yeah. they can get out of that little like, you know, llegan y ya están. And yeah. maybe it's time for some players to, to kind of rotate out, you know, like mm -hmm. not necessarily be titular or having that, that guaranteed position. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to kind of give some of the new blood a little bit of a chance. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing that like USA dealt with that. Like USA didn't make it to a world cup mm -hmm. because they lost to, yeah. was it? Like yeah. that, they hit rock bottom. Like, I don't, you I don't know, it was, was we could have helped bottom. them out, but we chose to lose hey, against yeah. Honduras. Hey, they want to do a dos a cero chant. Like, yeah. hey, we look like, <laughs> I, but I also got to the point where, like, and I had like this last week when I was in New York with my dad, I was like, 
even my dad, like, you know, being born in, in Mexico and like, cause like us, like we grew up here, but it's like, you know, like I grew up watching Mexico. So I, I grew up hating Land Donovan. I grew up <laughs> Casey Keller, like Kobe Jones, all of these players. I just grew up disliking. Right. Yeah. But it's also like now I think we're at a point and I could even say for myself. Am I? Sorry, sorry. I could, I could even say for Sacalas. myself. No, drink that one, but I just wanted one. Like whatever you got. The the White Claw. Vas. Pal Pepe. Patiwe. No, no me dejan. <laughs> the point is that we all got a refill. That's yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, let's all get a refill. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I was saying, like, <laughs> even my dad was like, I don't think we should be opposed. I don't, well, I'll personally say this for, for me. I don't hate United States like I used to. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be able to work for the the World Cup qualifiers against Jamaica here in, in at Q2. And yeah, I wasn't cheering every USA goal, but I wasn't like, oh, like I can't stand it, these yeah. guys, right? And it's and yeah, I think I think a lot of USA fans, like, you know, they they dislike Mexico. And I was just like on Twitter yesterday and people would just come at Mexico and they're pulling for Canada and this and that. Yeah. I completely understand if they feel that way. But for me, like you know, I grew, I lived my entire life here. So it's like, okay. Like I enjoy watching Pulisic. I, I think Gio Reyna is not just because he's Claudio's son. I love watching Gio Reyna play. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to meet him during one of the, the matches here. And like, it's a great guy. And I'm like, man, like this, like, you know, I wish you the best, whether it's Dortmund or the United States. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm personally me. And even having the conversation with my dad, it opened my eyes that it's no longer, Let's hate on USA. Let's not wish them the best. If they play each other, yes, I'm cheering for Mexico. And I don't want yeah, USA to do anything. Of course. But if USA is playing Jamaica, wh like why should I not want USA to win? You know, and I and I'm open for discussion. Maybe because if you would ask me 15 years ago, I would have been like, oh, like no, I'm yeah. Jamaica is better. Kill them or whatever. You know. No, nah, it's funny because like like for me uh, as a like as a recipient, people are like. You're not a resident. You're not a citizen. Why are you cheering for this? Like, I've been here for 20 something years. I'm going to cheer for the place that gave me so much. Yes. There's a lot of stuff that I don't agree with. Yeah. But I'm here. Like, I, I, I'm I'm literally like the stadium is a block away from, from where we are right now. And they're probably having a party. And I heard music and we didn't get invited. I know. And as you have the batch and we can go in. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but the one thing is, it's it's. And a lot of people give me shit because, um, like, I, for me, it was like, okay, Mexico's place, of course, Mexico. But now as I grew, you know, I'm here, I'm part of the U.S., I grew up here. I have to appreciate it. It takes some time because it's different. I mean, the yeah. way people talk about soccer here is a lot different than how I grew up. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's soccer, dude. Like, enjoy the moment of... Like whenever they were playing Qatar here and, and the women played against Nigeria, we're blessed to be in a place where you can walk from your job to the stadium and watch a game. World class. You know, I wore a, I wore a shirt with the USA flag for that, for those games, mm -hmm. because it's like, like I'm lucky enough to be able to, you know, it's, it's like saying like, oh, you lived in Austin for less than a year. You can't go, you can't cheer for Austin FC. Like I used to be a Dynamo fan when I lived in Houston. It's, it's, it goes back to identity and what yeah. you, you know, like 
I like I you like you were saying I'm super passionate and I I'm willing to debate you know whatever it is and I have those those tough arguments and those heated arguments with uh, some of my USA uh, fr- uh, friends and some yeah. you know Barcelona fans and America. But at the end of the day, it's like okay, like we're 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 friends, we're we're homies, yeah. like you know. I, I yeah. We speak the same language. We yeah, speak the language yeah. Of it, it's all about like respect. Uh, right. I'm not a fan of of people that you know, like say Real Madrid win the tres ligas. Great, you know, I I I learned to respect Ronaldo because of that. But I'm not a Real Madrid fan, but that doesn't mean I can't respect the player what he mm-hmm. did, like in the field. But also, like for me as the Real Madrid fans that like every single chance they get to bring someone down because of the Tres Ligas is como que wey no mames apenas puedes con una milla y ya te quieres sacar la la como se llama el 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 pan dulce del día yeah the thing is that <laughs> the thing is that and I think it goes back to also to like Mexican national team fans yeah If, let's say like you've been to a game some it, it gets pretty bad sometimes like People, I think they see that and they're like, oh, todos son like, you know, they're they, they start fights and they're they don't like losing and they're bad losers and everything. And I think they generalize and they're like, oh, like that's how every Mexican mm-hmm. fan is. And unfortunately, it's not that way. But I understand I, how some people can see it that way. And it, it, it does give a bad look. But just because, you know, two out of the 10 people are, you know, this way doesn't mean everyone is that way. Dude, I've, I've gone to the games where we played Panama and La Copa de Oro in Houston. Dude, all the Mexican play, like fans were throwing beer, and even the Mexican players like, "Hey, calmate." Even El Vasco, you see him like people, try to people come people down after he kicked the player. Yeah. But it's just like, nos gana la emoción. Yeah. <laughs> nos gana el barrio. <laughs> and I do think we we do have that on top of like we're we're more passionate, and this game matters to us a yeah. lot. More than the loss, we take it a hundred percent a lot harder than like any other team. Yeah, they can. Yeah. The USA fans, they could have lost that game, and they're like, "All right, on to the next one." And they're they could. They, yeah, I think it matters to us a little bit more, and I. Yeah, I for sure. That's you know. I'm, I would I'm say I would say this two zero result. Uh, if it would happen three, four, five years ago, it would have ruined my weekend. <laughs> but now, as I'm, I'm thirty years old, I'm married, and uh, I've I found to kind of a way to detach myself from the fandom of it and just appreciate the game a little bit more. Now I kind of look at the other side of the coin and I see, I see USA winning two zero and after coming back from a, a world cup cycle that they were not a part of. And I'm like, good for them. Now here's the one good thing like <laughs> the, the U S needed to win like against Mexico they, they on Cincinnati for sure. Because another loss at home, like yeah. what happened with, you know, in 2016. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the players will be brave because even Alexis Lalas was like, these tattooed millionaires are making all this money, but they can't go to the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> and you know how much bad it could have been for the, for the U.S. like as a soccer, you know? Well, look, if Mexico and Canada were to tie, USA would have been in third, I think third place, mm-hmm. which is where we're sitting and no one would have, been like, oh, USA's doing horrible after just being in they Mexico. Like, ah, we're, we're still there. Yeah, and so, like, yeah. I, I, the whole thing with the with Memo saying man in the mirror, I think, and and whatever sport or career you're in, if you're on top of the mountain, the target's on your back. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think 
Mexico has gone that had the target in their back for the longest. Mm-hmm. And now that, you know, there's there. Yeah. Like, you know, we are being surpassed by, by USA. Like, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Like, I think competition I want is good. That. Like, I want, like, I want, I, I've been wanting competition like this forever in our side. I want those, I want, who was the one that gave the codazo to the striker in, in the 2002 World Cup? Rafa Marquez. Rafa Marquez, Rafa Marquez, Rafa Marquez to, uh, to Donovan? No, I, McBride. McBride. McBride yeah, like, I need those, I need the Donovan, like, I need that blood, sweat, and tear games. Because that makes Mexico better. Exactly. Because they're going to, because the thing is, like, the Mexican players, they get so comfortable. So yeah. comfortable. Like, Cordoba is one of my favorite players right now. But it's muy comfort, comfortista. A comparación de Edson Álvarez, a comparación de Jiménez y Diego Lainez, Cordoba como que, nah, estoy chido. Yeah. And, like, and no, he had a good Olympics. He's just, like, right now he's, he's like, he's like, like the very wave. mellow. The but, nah, like, I, I honestly, this was a good wake-up call for the Mexican player. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If you and, guys haven't uh, looked at that poem, The Man in the Glass, it, it fits perfect to everything we're talking about. I'm just gonna be the first four Dale. bars. I think about I think about it as bars. Ah, the, stanzas, the stanzas. I the remember stanzas, taking bro. that in class. So the man in the glass, Peter Dell Winbrow Senior. He wrote this shit. All right, when you get what you want in your struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. So that's like the first four bars, and it kind of ends. Yeah, it does. I mean, it kind of <laughs> goes with everything we're yeah, talking no, no, about, no, it dude. Does. And the last four four four, four sentences of this uh, poem. You may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Now, I have a question for you guys. How many times you felt like you were in a place where, nah, I'm so chido, but then you realized, like, nah, este parte está chido. It's, you know, you're messing yourself up for, for being in that spot or... You guys wake up like, man, I'm not half full. I need to be full again. Yeah. I, for me personally, like I want to be pushed. And this is something I, you know, having conversations with my girlfriend, like, I'm like, Hey, like I like for us to, you know, like for me, at least like my needs are like, I want you to be able to push me and I want you to be okay with me pushing you because that just like leads to growth, individual growth, but also together. Right. Like, and so I think that there are times where, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, sleeping in or like, just like you're in that, that, that zone where it's like, I am comfortable and I have to snap out of it. And I think I am pretty good about snapping out about it, but it's like, I do better when, you know, whether it's my girlfriend or, or anyone who's around me, who's like pushing me. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing with friends, like if, if your friends aren't pushing you to be better, I do think that, you know, that, that for me personally, it is an issue. So like, I want, I want to push you to be better yeah. in a healthy way. And I want you all to push me to be healthy, like push me to be, to grow and to be health, like in a healthy way as well. Now, you know, who pushes me to get stronger? Yeah, I do right yeah. there. I see his post like at four in the morning. That's someone probably going to sleep. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I see those two. And, and that's something like, 
little things that inspire you. You're yeah, like, and I man, like, like I gotta get my I gotta yeah. get my kettlebell and and swing it around. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I, I used to be like a super morning bird. Now I've kind of changed my schedule, but um, I get inspiration from you guys too, man. Like all the time, competing and just seeing what you guys are accomplishing. I'm always kind of trying to push myself. But to your question, Richie, um, I think uh, I had a moment in my life in, in 2015, 2016, where um, I started to date Madison. And mm-hmm. I was working, you know, doing my thing here in Austin, you know, that professional life. But there was a piece of me missing, you know, for me, for me, it was like getting that 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 degree that I had reached up to like 99% of it and mm-hmm. just never accomplished it. And she basically, she's always been good at like, Calling me out on my bullshit and like saying, hey, ponte las pilas, come yeah. on, get your shit together. Do, do what, whatever you're putting off, fucking do it. Yeah. And like, I fucking did it. And it basically changed my whole life. Like, I, I, I switched companies. I started working at different projects and um, working at a, like, a higher professional level. And um, it's gotten us many things, you know. It, it's gotten us, like, material things, but it's gotten us to that point of trust mm-hmm. and uh, encouragement. And it kind of, like, helped us bond and, and, and truly uh, grow our, our, our love and eventually our marriage. So I appreciate, I appreciate her and everything she's done in my life. And hopefully I've done something similar for her. Yeah. It's my wife too, dude. Like same. Me trae el tiro. <laughs> and, I, and I have to show you, like there's this Dale. book also that me and my girlfriend recently bought. Um, that's also really good with just like daily inspirational, like, it's it's a lot of self reflection and I and again going back Chicharito was the one that I saw him kind of post uh, about it post about it and I started looking into it mm-hmm. told my girlfriend about it and she actually brought the book mm-hmm. and so we've been cycling a little bit these last few weeks but usually trying to read a, a page and so the guy's name on Instagram it's uh, Young Pueblo and so he's like a like just like a just has these like motivational. Like, like little passages and that you could read about and it's also a lot about like self-reflection and it's also like I mean back to man in the mirror it's like looking yourself in the mirror and like we all have our struggles but how can we grow rather than just throw it in the back and be like all right let me forget about it how can you really take what you the struggles and learn and grow right yeah yeah like like personally for me dude is I mean I grew up in a struggle right and I always, every time I wake up, I want to put my mindset in that struggle. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't ever want to feel like, oh, we have this podcast. We have, you know, a phot- photography business. I have my degree. I don't need to do anything. Like, no, dude. Um, so before, like, I'm in the podcast and then I, I had a side job where you can do like deliver Chinese food. And it could be comfortable to making that easy money, you know, getting that hourly thing. But now it's like doing photography. It's something that like pushes me to hustle and network. And yeah. sometimes you have to do a shoot for free or, or you know, or or give another discount or whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like I want to be putting myself in the struggle part because then I can grow because um, I, I cannot. I don't want to be in a place where. I feel comfortable where I, I'm just going to sit back and, and relax. Like I just can't, Definitely. dude. Yeah, getting out of that zone of comfort, pushing yourself to the uncomfortable moments, kind of just where you're more susceptible for growth and challenge. Yeah, that's that's the way to go, man. And that's that's what I that's what I hope for. Kind of going back to going back to soccer, like these Mexican players, 
can can get there you know because moving on to the Canada game I I started watching that knowing that this was going to be a difficult game for Mexico mm-hmm. it almost felt like I was watching like a Game of Thrones episode because it was fucking snowing it was, it was <laughs> yeah. north of the wall yeah. like to me I was it like was like 20,000 the first like 10 minutes to me like <laughs> Mexico was like north of the wall these were wildlings fucking frozen <laughs> zombies like the Canadians came out uh, every every chance they took, they dude, took it, dude. They, like, they came out with like a different intensity, yeah. um, kind of similar to USA in that physicality, that speed. Mm-hmm. That uh, they're not going to have as much possession, but they're going to be dangerous when they have it. And when they scored the first goal, to me it was kind of like a fluke. Uh, but looking back at it, Memochoa had that this video that was kind of like he basically served it on a platter. It looks easy, like you said. But it's a hard part to Memo get. Memo should have just punted it, but in the snow, it, it's it bounced, hard. It's ice. It's ice. It's synthetic. Yeah, it's a synthetic field. Yeah. So many factors come into play, yeah. but at the same time, like you've had two goals against that have gone with USA. Now this first goal against Canada, you start to kind of like it starts to chip doubt into the Memo Choa. Yeah, like is he still there? Is he still? Should we give someone else a chance? Yeah, it's difficult. But I think it, like. If it was one thing that like oh we're creating chances we're we're you know our strikers are because I think in the past we've had times what was the it was a while back when uh, like our strikers just couldn't when Landin was a Landin like, oh my god oh that, <laughs> like, that, that was like two thousand yeah two thousand eight like that was just con like, este Vicente Fernández Vicente <laughs> Sánchez like, Fernández yeah. yeah, that's just Landin. like okay the strikers are struggling right. Santiago Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with with his long hair, he was oh, in America, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, oh, dude, I don't, I don't. Think <laughs> and he really scored like three goals <laughs> in that in the playoff, like beforehand. Oh, people, I don't know if you made it out of that stadium. Yeah, I don't man. think he did, dude. <laughs> but back to my point is like, like every line, whether it's starting from the back to the to the defenders to the mid to the strike, like everyone just looked flat. Like it just, yeah. it didn't look like, like there wasn't. And I don't know, I don't, like, it, it sucks to, oh, the weather, oh, like this, like the, you know, like we had our center back suspended for the USA game or, you know, we're trying the five in the back or anything. But it just, there was really, there wasn't really any highs. Even with Edson Alvarez play, like, fine, it was like, he didn't, like, it wasn't like, oh, like, Enough. he was a standout, you know. Corona yeah. had his, his moments against USA, but it wasn't like, man, like, he, like, yeah. he was consistent. So I think just looking at the whole cuadro, like, it, it 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 was just overall it was below average and they were yeah, contained. I, they I were think, contained. Yeah, and, I think and props props to that USA team. Man. Well, that's the one the thing USA is like incredible. Like, like like you said, contained. Um, and that containment comes with collectiveness. Yeah. And when you contain good players like like in the como ilosos como Corona y Chucky Lozano, what I noticed is they pushed them to the side as much as they could so they won't connect with Raul Jimenez. Right. So they made Raul Jimenez go more, you know, like, bajarte más para agarrar una pelota. Right. Because they contained Lozano and, and Tecatito just on the sides, dude. Yeah. I think I think what, uh, what I personally think that Mexico wanted and they could have had it is that Mexico knew that they would have one or two chances and they put it away, game's over. Yeah. Which was the one that Chucky had that Zach Steffen had a great save. And then the one that... And then the Corona yeah. whiffed it. Yeah. But From you put... Ball, one, ballon de Chucky. Yeah, but, you put but one of those... That the goalie kept coming. 
Out no, no, no. That, that was a great yeah. save from from Chuk, and you had Yedlin chasing him, which it goes back to athleticism. Like, yeah. Yedlin, man. he's it. like thirty something years old, competing with a with a Lozano in his prime. And he's exactly, twenty four, twenty five. It's yeah. crazy. And I think that once Mexico didn't get that early goal, I think it it became a challenge, and yeah. it was just a matter of time. And I I I don't think USA played great, but you like you do see like that they had chemistry, that technically they had an idea, mm-hmm. and that they were willing to win the game, yes or yes. And Mexico was just like, oh, let's if we get that goal, if we do this, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like we'll be happy with this. Um, and so, I, I, you know, it, it's just, it was it was tough to watch. I remember after the second goal, I turned my TV off, and I was like. You did not get the sense when Pulisic, Pulisic was coming in. I, I saw that Pulisic so coming in, and I'm like, yeah, like, I, I already oh, see the goal shit. coming. Like, because Pulisic was just like, he he was, he's a very visual person. I don't know if you can see it when he plays for Chelsea, but on the bench, he was having fun and everything, but he was already looking where he's going to come in and score. And whenever he decided to come in and score, it was just like getting Mexico when they struggle and those para in la pelota parada yeah. or in a cross. Question. I know this kind of going off topic. Uh, Who's ahead, the best U.S. soccer player for you guys? Right now? Just in the history. Oh, in history? history? Donovan, Donovan, dude. Donovan changed Donovan? everything. Yeah. yeah. I think, Without a doubt. I think, I, think, I think Donovan changed the way U.S. thought about soccer. Yeah, agreed. Do you do you think Pulisic can? Because so so that that is a great because I think I've talked to like so, my dad, someone who doesn't yeah. watch the Premier League, someone who doesn't know who Pulisic is. He doesn't like he watched Pulisic and he was like eh, average. Yeah, Donovan. I think Donovan did more damage against Mexico, Mexico. for Mexicans to know who he is. So yeah. so the reason I ask that is because I do think Donovan is the most uh, like the best who's done the most damage to Mexico. But I think skillful, yeah. I think Dempsey has, is Dempsey. 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 Dempsey is definitely more. He has a lot of skill, probably even more than Donovan, but the amount of damage that Donovan has inflicted in the international level, what he's meant to the U S during yeah. critical moments. Those are things that uh, don't necessarily show up in the stat sheets. You're not going to see like, he scored so many X amount of goals or he's yeah. won champions, but he came through in important moments. Yeah. And I think this past game, Pulisic scoring against Mexico in Cincinnati, that first game opener that, that, that kind of led him to the win is the beginning of his career towards that, towards that bar. Yeah. Um, so if he can continue that, he can reach that Donovan status, but he has to do it on multiple levels. Like, yeah, um, he has to qualify. I think he has to do it in the World Cup. He has to do it in the Confederations Cup, the Gold Cup. He has to do it in multiple, multiple. And I think like that's what Pulisic is gonna have on his staying is the fact that they didn't go to the World Cup and being in it last year. But he was young. But he was young. young. Yeah, but I do. But I mean, Donovan was young too. Whenever like that. Know like the 2002 World Cup and they beat Mexico. Yeah, I think the same age. I think Donovan has that that mindset of like, like Like that guy was barrio, dude. I mean, he was dude. He was. He grew up in Southern California. He He had a little Mexican. Well, he he probably studied like every single movement and what he can say to. I'm pretty sure, like whenever he got to playing against Mexico. He already knew what to say to the Mexican players and how to react. And, and the fact that I mean, I'm telling you, he—that's that's one thing that I, if you see both of them, 
Dempsey and Donovan, like they grew up playing with Mexican players. Dempsey in, in Texas yeah. here, and then Donovan in California, where they're like, I mean, they're they could speak Spanish because they grew up playing. Yeah, with some that, of that's what Donovan like knows Spanish. Yeah, but I I I, I want to say, man, Pulisic, he has another thing, like a different mentality, and and a lot of the times, like let's say for Mexican, we take it as creído. We take it as like, oh man, six it's day, about to yeah. But you need that to beat Mexico. Like you need to like walk in, not even shake the players' hands, and act like get in their mind. Like it's usually, you know, soccer sometimes professionals they shake hands and they they say hi to each other. But Pulisic doesn't do that on purpose because he already knows like I'm gonna get to them thinking I'm better than them. But yeah, he. I think he actually has like. I'm not going to say hate towards Mexico, but he doesn't like Mexico and he wants to beat them every time. But it's what you need to have. That's what you Don, got. That's, yeah. what Don, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what Donovan had that pushed him to that greatness to always show up. Yeah. During those matches. Yeah. And, you need that. You need that. and then I think like later on, he's going to say after similar like Donovan, when he's, he's like already on with soccer, <laughs> he's going to be like, man, Mexico was the, the, the team that made me better. For my he national might, team, he might even go play for America like later in his career. Hey, if he's 30, 33, <laughs> and he still got it. Why not? Man. No, but, no. I think, uh, I think uh, the, the the U.S. Back to the the U.S. part. Um, so okay, we talk about uh, Dempsey having skill, Donovan being you know who Donovan is, Pulisic wanting to get there. Um, Michael Bradley was not in this game, and initially I felt like every time Michael Bradley was in the game against Mexico. The U.S. kind of struggled. Yeah. And not, him not being there was good for the team? Or was something that, like, it's just coincidence? I think it's one of those things that I think USA fans were sick of him. Yeah. I think they was like, all right, your time is done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he even though people are like, oh, he, you know, he, these last few years he struggled. I remember him making a, he chipping, I think it might have been Ochoa and the Azteca. Where 2017, like, yeah, I think. he he had, yeah. yeah, he had his times where you know he was holding it down. I mean, Beckerman, like these guys in the center mid, but I think it was, I think he, you know he played maybe a year or two um, over his prime. Hmm. So I think, I mean, luckily for the USA, they were able to do so. Going back to what you were saying, is like I think Mexico might have to take a minute and reflect on all right, which of these players like are no longer like looking for the next cycle. Right. Because yes, if we qualify, Hey, we qualify, but why are, you know, like, yeah, in the World Cup, then if we're, you know, one and done, it's like, the same thing. Why even, you know, if we do, if we finish first, like it's not going to change up in the World Cup. And so I think it might take a, like Michael Bradley, I think USA did a great job of reflecting and being like, okay, your time, Josie Altador, it's your time to go. Now bring in the new generation. I think Mexico might have to be going through that same. now which players from mexico should for sure rethink their priorities in the in the national team do you want to check with this one first oh man i've <laughs> and maybe this comes from uh i don't want to say a bias but i think ochoa has done a great job as a mexican go- goalkeeper but we should all we should look towards something else because I know goalies have a long lifespan. Yeah. But we should look towards something else to kind of, you know, 
give someone else experience. And same thing goes with the midfield. You have Hector Herrera. He, he plays in Atletico Madrid. He plays at a, at a super high mm -hmm. level, but um, he's not going to play for the next two, three, four, five years. You got to give other people chances there. Mm -hmm. You got Esso and Alvarez kind of stepping up into that same similar position, which is good. But who else? Who else do you have? Like, I, don't know. I think I think starting back with the goalkeeper, I think because if you think about the last few years, like Ochoa, Talavera, Corona, like I don't think one of them is head and shoulders over any of the other ones, they're, right? They're, they're kind of similar. Yeah. Level. Similar. They, they have different specialties. Yeah. And so I just think like, okay, you do have, I don't think they, I mean, this last two games, you maybe struggle with the goalkeeper, but I think there are some some youth, uh, some young goalkeepers that may be able to step in and like can do the same job or maybe, you know, like at least like they're like younger so you could develop them. And I think another, I, I think more of like, I see this starting 11 and it's not necessarily a player that I'm like, Oh, like it's his time's done. But I think of like the death. Right. So I think of like, you look at the cambios or like you think about Guardado, like he's still killing it in Betis, but after this world cup, are you really going to use them? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I do think of these other players and I don't, I mean, I'm not saying, Oh, this is the answer. This is the answer. I don't know why Linus didn't come exactly. Maybe you might be able to say, I think he was still recovering from an injury. Okay. I, but I do want to push for players like that a little bit younger that, you know, maybe Cordoba. I don't know if I'm, you know, love his game. He did go to the Olympicos. I'll give him a chance, but I almost bring it back to, that the, like I don't know if I am okay with him right now. Mm -hmm. I do understand that it might be late to change it up, but I do understand that Mexican. Hey, after one or two games, you can be fired. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a player from the starting eleven that I'm like, oh, like let's kick him out. But I do think that death wise, they do have to start thinking about you know some younger, more talented players. So here's here's the one thing I was asking that because there's four players in Mexico right now that for sure Tata, like he's shown them and he needs to rethink that about not bringing them back is Arteaga, which is, he's on, on the left side. Yeah. I think we have Jorge Sanchez on the right and Arteaga on the left. Can do some good. Or Gallardo, but Gallardo, I feel like Gallardo's not really good at, you know, marcando. Yeah. He's more of a, up, up top. He's, he's struggling. But he hasn't been doing both. And, that's another, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, no, you're good, you're good. do you remember like a few years ago when we had Layun and Pablo Aguilar when we're going up and down the field? Now we don't have that for me. We don't have that, yeah. Cantlero, so. And that's, that's another thing is like, like Pablo Aguilar, consistente, callado, consistente, so Layun. We had Aguilar and... Uh, Layun. 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 And before that, we had Salcido. Salcido and, and Osorio. Osorio. Yeah. So Mexico for like eight eight years had like someone that, that was like up and down, up and down. and Yeah. Now we don't have that, man. Now Chaka is just... Chaka is it's, it's inconsistent. Yeah. Jorge Sanchez, I think Jorge Sanchez needs to go to Europe to yeah. get that level that he needs to get. Porque ya su... su uh, en América, su tiempo ya está... He's going to be there starting, but he needs to get it to Europe. Yeah. Kind of like that, that's what made Diego Lainez better. Um, and, and I feel like this is where Mexican players that get good they need to get out, even if they struggle in Ukraine. I don't care. Just yeah. get out of Mexico because Mexico is doing you more harm than good. Yeah. You're making that money, but you're not growing. I think um, Arteaga needs to come back because he has something different than the other players on because he's playing in Belgium. 
Yeah. I mean, he's in a different position in a different scenario where he's constantly having to, you know, maybe go up higher and eventually he's going to go play in the Champions League, but maybe not like Real Madrid, Barcelona. Yeah. But in the lower level team, he, he can get some playing time. Um, Edson Alvarez, I, I think he's good right there. Hector Herrera, he needs a challenge. And I think that could be Cordoba Herrera, but Cordoba man needs to get out of Mexico too. Yeah. And I want, I love Cordoba, but he needs to get out of America. Yeah. He's doing himself more harm than anything staying there. And he needs to be challenged. Um, and then Romo, and I feel like a lot of these players are good, but they just need to get out, dude. Uh, but I, I don't love, and I don't know if I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched the Mexican league as much, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think he, the games I did watch him with Cruz Azul, he played a different position than what Tata's asking him for him now. And so I don't know if that's doing him more harm than good. Um, but one thing about, I want to touch about Linus is Linus. I think we're still thinking like, oh, he's a young kid. He still needs, you know, like Entra de Cambio and he still needs, like, I think. He needs to be stepping up. I think it's it's time. I don't yeah. like. Yes, I understand he's younger than the the guys who are now, but I think he's also at a time where it's like, hey, throw him to the fire, like make him I, burn. I, if he has to burn, he burns. Yeah, and and I think a few years ago he was he was getting there, but now I think he's just kind of been stuck in the mud for the last. Yeah, so he's fizzled out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and so I think now it's a hey, throw him in there. You know, he's the most talented Mexican young player that we have. And so it's like, hey, he's either going to, you know, like, I know sometimes los cuidamos so they don't break. But it's like, hey, we're like, we're, we need someone like that a little bit different. We need a spark. Care. Yeah. yeah. Someone to spark up that. And even I, I was, I didn't see Jonah Los Santos in, like in this list. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. He's not the best, but he's consistent when he comes yeah. and plays for Mexican team. And we didn't see him. And I, I feel like Mexico needed him, someone like him in there. I think he was dealing with injuries. That's why he didn't come. Him and uh, there was another player that I saw an article that they were being replaced because of injury. Mm-hmm. And so Jonathan, he's been dealing with just like. So one thing I learned about him is that he runs the way he runs isn't good for his let like his limbs you were saying yeah, yeah. right um, because he runs like two side to side sometimes yeah and so yeah. they were saying because I remember one time they were saying he's like are you good for 90 minutes he's like I'm working I'm building up to that but it's because like he started seeing a specialist who like is basically showing him how to run because something about his legs being so he struggles with injuries because of the way he runs which is kind of it's wild it's wild to think about but that's it's another like, thing that I mean now we're touching things that you know He's taking care of how many players in Mexico don't think of that. They just go on the field and just, hey, we do my best or yeah. whatever. Yeah, because I feel like unless you're like in Europe and someone told you like otherwise, like Herrera, he's been pretty consistent in his career for, for a while. Because they probably told him, okay, you need to move like this so you can remain sane, like uh, not sane, but like sano, yeah. heal. I mean, uh, in good shape. And he's probably following whatever they tell him. Yeah. I mean, and with El Cholo, like, yeah. I do this straight discipline only. Yeah. So. But it kind of goes back to the infrastructure, like, in, in, in different countries. Like, so I know for sure, like, Sonny kind of spoke on it on the way that the U.S. kind of runs their systems here. 
from a very young age, these players are getting the best fitness coaches, the best nutrition. They're getting massages. They're getting kind of coddled. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it makes them kind of soft, but at the same time, it, it helps them uh, physically to maintain themselves at a, at a healthy condition to compete and the longevity of their career. I don't know. I mean, I was able to, so Sonny was able to send me to like Merida mm-hmm. and Merida at this Con point, they were, venados. Yeah, venados. they were in uh, I did, I did like preseason with them for two weeks and their, their facility, like D one school, high schools here have better facilities than like, and, they, and they're in an yeah. ascenso. And so you start thinking about like, guess like, you know, as technical, like those players are, will were or are better than here, but you're having a 15 year old having a better facility or better train trainers or, you know, giving massages or a better weight room than some of these pro athletes in Mexico. And so it's like, it's tough. It's, it's tough to compare yeah. apples to apples like that. Um, and it just goes to show you that the, uh, the infrastructure of the U S and probably Canada as well, the, the respect that they have for soccer and their organizations um, and like the, the the type of investment that they give into it um, because they want to see it get better. Whereas a country like Mexico has the interests and like so much money that gets um, that, get, that moves around but doesn't necessarily go to the facilities. So it's like you have a country that in Mexico that re, that respects and loves football so much, but the people in charge don't. Uh, they don't share that love and respect for the development. Whereas in the U S it's the opposite. Uh, the country as a whole disrespects soccer. Yeah. Still to this day, even this U S Mexico match, it was on ESPN two. Oh, yeah. ESPN there was a big, cause there was a football game. Like, yeah. it was like a college football yeah. game. This is like the biggest game of the year for a U.S. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even on like ABC or even ESPN normal. Like it's on. So, it's funny that you look at both sides of the coin uh, yeah. and the U S like the society disrespects soccer, but the infrastructure really, really takes care of it. And you can see it in the men's leagues in the national teams and more, even more probably in the, in the women's league. We might get some more answers before the year's over. Hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> there's a surprise that hopefully doesn't get canceled, but oh, it's going to be huge. Uh, you might like it too. Hey, that sounds <laughs> so, so cryptic. <laughs> so now we were thinking about that and I'm like, I, I've been thinking about like what we're talking about, about and hopefully that guest that we have at the end of the year does a bell out. Please don't. <laughs> um, if not, we're going to not call you out, but it's gonna, we're going to be sad. But a lot of the things I wanted to talk and, and, and really touch points is just like that aspect of what's going on like physically, like why are we not where we should be knowing soccer for so long as, you know, like following soccer, especially for the Mexican players. Yeah. Like, I think we, we hopefully, hopefully get that answer or from someone that works with them on a regular basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that'd be awesome to see. But it, then again, like we should also be happy for like, USA to be able to, you know, develop more mm-hmm. soccer players because, I mean, the way I see it, like even with you know whether it's here in Austin or different cities in around the country, like 
Verde leaders, like I would love a Verde leaders could one day play in the pros, but every kid, and I know like Sonny's great example is like, he's helping develop from three, four, five years of age. And it's like every kid should be able to play soccer because, you know, we have a large population that should be able to, you know, like we should be competing with those with larger the, the countries. Greats. Exactly. And so I think every kid should get an opportunity to play soccer. And I think there's a lot of talent that goes missing because of, you know, financial situations or because they can't go to practice because of location or whatever it is. And so, you know, building every community should have soccer and whether it's here or in Mexico, like soccer in North America should just grow. And I mean, excited for the world cup to come over here in a few years and also just be able to show that, in this side of the world that, you know, soccer is just that's important. Here's one thing I was thinking of uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, okay, like American players, no matter what race, they work in their physical aspect. They're super disciplined about that. I mean, if we look at Instagram, how many people in America have six pack? How many people in America like work out and have this crazy Instagram followers? And even even the soccer players, I mean, they look pretty fit. They they look yeah. stronger. I feel like if if we want to grow, and we we're not gonna play Libertadores for a while until they approve it, right? That's that's long gone. We have Canada, and Mexico. Mexico should look at trying to get in that same physicality as the American player is getting. By that bringing in American players to the Mexican league because they're going to show you a completely different mindset of how to train and play. Maybe sometimes the talent won't be as good as, you know, we have it in Mexico, but the discipline of working out, you know, of eating right, how much benefit we can get from that. But if you, well, yeah, that's a great point. But if you think about it, you try to tell Mexico, like, look, all right, you raised the last year, the last this year that USA beat Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. In the last 20 years, who has done more? Mexico. Mexico. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying to tell, you're, this is a new idea. This is new for everyone. So you're trying to tell why, if you talk to a physical, un coordinador, like, yeah. change your ways, why? It's worked for the last... 30 years. But the thing is, like, a lot of the trainers in Mexico are implementing trainings that they do in America back to Mexico. And I think recently it's changed. Yeah. Because you have that that physical uh, trainer for, he's been with Herrera. So I don't, was, <laughs> do you know what Ah, yes. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's with Tigres now. He right? starts. He he. His name starts with a G, and the <laughs> last name with a B. Yeah, I, yeah. So he, uh, no. So he has. He's one of the only ones that I could that I've seen or that I've you know came across. And I'm like, okay, like Henry Martinez. He worked with Henry Martinez in Cholos in America, and now like Henry Martinez is actually Henry Martin, señor, por favor. Henry Martin, no, Henry Martin. Sorry. <laughs> I actually <laughs> met Henry. I actually met Henry Martin when he was in Merida. Yeah. Uh, super oh, skinny with Sony. Super skinny yeah. guy, like, but everyone loved him, and he was like grinder. And to see him like now be with uh, uh, like balling out in America is like crazy because like he 
I think that you know physically he got better. Mm-hmm. But again, like and that's one example of you know many that that can be so because uh, like the the talent is there. I mean, we know that. I mean, we've seen people that play very good. Pero luego nos falta la parte física y mental yeah. de disciplina. And I think if we bring players that have that, it's like you, te juntas con cuervos y eres cuervo. Yeah. Ah, uh, cuervos, cuervos. I, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not like, like, like what I want to get is if, if, if we can get the Mexican players to get in a different mentality physically, man, I'm pretty sure we're going to be not mesmerizing about Alfonso Davies getting super fit and winning the Champions League and the pandemic. Yeah. We're going to be like, you know what? We're there, you know? We might be you know, we might not, but physically we're there. Yeah. No, that's a great point. All right, guys. I think that that's a good segue into, um, into just that mentality aspect, that health aspect, you know, like I, like we said earlier in the, in the podcast where, um, kind of celebrating uh, uh, Men's Health Awareness Month. That kind of goes from mental to physical health. I'm trying to do my part by uh, participating in Movember, uh, growing my stash. <laughs> it's getting there. I think it grew, like, it, in this whole talk, I just feel like it, it, I just feel like it grew a little bit more body, a little bit more I can body. see a little darker. So for, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, uh, uh, Men's he- uh, Health Awareness Month in the month of November, Movember, uh, it's to raise awareness on prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and uh, just to the fact that men's mental health is something that we don't get to speak about uh, quite often. So if you know someone in your life or if you're someone that, that needs to talk about something, please do reach out. A um, little bit of stats out there. Three out of every four um, suicides in the world are, are men. So that just goes to speak to, you know, we we have we have something that, that, that um, like, that we need to um, f- look for, look for help, look for, look for guidance, and just, just have someone to talk to, like these guys, like Pepe, like, uh, like Richie. So, please uh, let let everyone know about Movember, and I'll be sharing my, my little uh, credential and like uh, social awareness link on the podcast for everyone. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to say on that. Yeah, man. Uh, regarding that aspect, I I do have a couple of people that you know they can reach out to um one of my boys he actually runs the the uh, his name is Rene Garcia he runs the Men Do Therapy podcast um he's super huge on on men's mental health um I'll share the link as well I'll share his his, his stuff I think this this part of here of you know like mental health for men it's, it's super important and we do got to take advantage of every resource out there. I mean, even if, like how you were saying earlier about mindfulness, if we can get to that aspect of being mindful for ourselves, that's going to be a huge benefit. Yeah. And I think it just starts with having these conversations, right? And so whether it's on a podcast or just with friends, it's like being able to normalize having these conversations about uh, different health issues that we're having. And so, um, we always tell our kids and, you know, for the listeners who have like kids or anything like that, we might not be the experts, but it's like, there's so many resources that, um, out there that we can go ahead and connect them to. So I think just being able to have the conversation and, you know, one thing leads to another and be able to, 
um, help where where we can, basically. But yeah, I, uh, anything else want to add? Uh, Pepe, if you can just sign us off, you know, give us a little bit of uh, uh, the plug to the orgs you're you're a part of, and any social medias you want to share. Yeah, so we have. Our social medias are, uh, we have our Twitter, we have 4ATX Foundation, we have an Instagram, and we also have a Facebook. And then for Vetted Leaders, we have an Instagram page. And so you can go to austinfc.com um, basically and find the, the community uh, tab in 4ATX Foundation. And then under 4ATX Foundation, um, there's different volunteer opportunities, whether it's with Vetted Leaders or just different initiatives that we have going on. Um, but yeah, you can go ahead and find us on there. And, you know, like I said to you guys or anyone who's listening, like we, the program isn't the program without volunteers. So whenever anyone has an opportunity to come out, um, they're more than invited to, to go ahead and join and be part of, of something great here. For sure. I, I can personally attest that volunteering with, uh, better the leaders has been one of the most, um, important and inspirational things that I've done in, in Austin. So please, you know, reach out to this guy, reach out to better the leaders and see how you can be a part of that. Um, I, you, you're going to get, you're going to get so much out of it, but more importantly, you're going to give so much back to the community. So shout out to better the leaders and the 4ATX foundation. Yeah. And also shout out to Caitlin and Jordan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Caitlin, Jordan, this is an open invitation. If you hear this after more than two hours and you want to come by and, you know, have a talk, we would love, we we have would love a to have you on. Open yeah, yeah. mic for you guys. Yeah. Um, and man, I, I I appreciate you coming, Pepe. Uh Coke has been very passionate about, you know, having you here and having you share about everything from, you know, 480X Foundation and what you guys are doing. And wish you guys the best, man. Um, I know, I know sometimes it can be a little challenging, but I see the reward in your eyes, dude. Like from the moment we talk about it, like it's it's a glare that you know keep it keep it going man keep yeah. it going and if there's anything we can do you know we will do it from our side um and coke you know, dude appreciate you coming and pulling this together man of course dude i love it i love being a part of this and uh we we ask that you continue to uh encourage your family and friends to listen to otra por favor please share uh otra por favor .com, instagram at otra por favor and uh, you can find us on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. So give us a listen where we have uh, very, very special guests like like Pepe. And uh, hopefully you join us in, a, in another episode in the future and we continue to share the things that you're doing and your organization is doing as well. Yeah. No, thank you very much. I know we touched a lot, but, you know, we still have to talk. We still have to talk uh, Messi, Ronaldo, but yeah, 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 we kinda, that's yeah, for the next no, one. No, no. Glossed over that. Well, no, no. The, the reason I, I didn't want to touch that is because I feel like David is an integral part of that conversation. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. wanted to yeah. wait for David. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. definitely next time you come <laughs> yeah. to the podcast, we're, we're going to touch. Actually, we'll have David next to you. So you guys can go at it. <laughs> okay. And Coke and I, I'm, I love Messi. We're I respect yeah. Ronaldo. We'll be more like moderators. We'll be more like, pégale, pégale. No, no, but I just want, again, thank you. And I love what you guys are doing here. And also yeah. just, it's a pleasure to just have this conversation with you guys and get to know more about you guys as well. And, you know, cheers to everything that this whole conversation. Last, last y y raza que se arme, arriba Austin FC, arriba Los Verdes, La Murga y el Antame. 
We give him some love too. Let's go. Órale. Yeah.